Hey, y'all. Scotty Real. And the dude here. And we just want to shout out to our crew of listeners, growers, cannabis professionals, and recreational tokers. Otherwise known as the Dude Grows Crew. Who every week come through solid and donate their hard-earned money to produce this show. It's the support from our listeners that directly produces the Dude Grow Show and keeps the unbiased grow knowledge pumping out week after week after week, guys. You are the DGC, and there's strength in numbers. So please show us some love and help produce the next show by going to DudeGrows.com and making a small donation. Respect. Come on, brother. Let's get high and start the show. Yeah. You're listening to the Dude Grow Show, coming straight out of Denver, Colorado, bringing you marijuana grow knowledge, news, and culture. At the tone, the time will be 4.20. Exactly. y'all growers out there welcome welcome back dude grow show episode 31 how you doing scotty yeah doing it smoking it growing it loving it my man oh yeah we're gonna keep them cranking out every week at you and uh hopefully more soon man coming straight out of denver colorado mile high baby uh only show out there guys that i can find that really teaches you how to grow your own heavy 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 grow talk Marijuana Cultivation Podcast. How would you put it? Any other way, Scotty? Shit, no, man. That's what it's all about. A little bit of culture in there. A little bit of uh, weed news out of Denver. Weed talk. Weed talk. Like weed real talk. talk. You've been liking that R. Kelly you keep telling me about real oh talk. Oh, God. The funniest <laughs> song ever, man. I mean, <laughs> golly, that guy's funny, man. A little weed talk. All right. Well, what's going on in our grows? Coming up, myself. Man, mainly I'm just impressed to announce my variety. Outdoors, I got LSD, Cherry Bomb, Sour Relief, Flow, and then we got to go move back into the indoor garden. White Widow uh, is going in there. One beautiful White Widow under one light because I shut off my other lights. I'm only going to run one light here in the summer. Don't want to deal with it, keep me busy or the freaking heat. But I want to talk a little about how I handle growing all those different strains and the nutrient requirements. What you got going on in your grow? Yeah, man, you make me feel like a slacker, but I am just harvesting this beautiful purple flow. Unbelievable, man. So digging on that and just really starting to concentrate on getting the air moving, man. Really trying to keep that powdery mildew away, trying to keep them bugs away this summer. And the only way you do that is by really addressing your environment. So get into that. Yeah, yeah. And I actually had a pest outside that I could not identify. And I'll tell you a little bit how I handled it. And I need to get some pictures up on there with my digital uh, camera, the one that actually zooms way the hell in, the Carson scope. But regardless, they, they can't handle my IPM, dude. They can't handle it. They're freaking out. They're almost gone. So, all right, let's Loving give a Let's give a shout out, guys. Uh, if you are in the Colorado area, we are going to be here June 15th. We're going to head over to uh, Central Way to Grow Store because they are doing a clearance sale. They're basically clearing out all six stores with a lot of shit that is going to be great pricing. But we said, what the hell? 
we want to hang out there, give some love back. We know we got some good listenership in the Colorado area, so why don't you guys come all out? Come on out. And what are you offering up, Scotty? You know what, man? We've got some goodie bags left over from from 420, and I think what we'll do is, man, anyone that goes in buy some recharge, come on out, show us that you uh, showed some love, and uh, yeah, we'll give you a goodie bag, man. A dude I think that's grows be, goodie bag. Yeah, and the dude grows has good goodie bags. So yeah. <laughs> let's just say, be thankful that they're odor-proof goodie bags. Yeah, I think the first 20 people, man. We'll hit up the first 20 people. If you guys don't know what recharge is, listen on back. That's the official product of the Dude Grow Show. Scotty Reel, the founder. We both use it in our own gardens, and that's why uh, you hear about it on here, because that's how we believe to garden, with living soil and microbes all over the damn place. Absolutely, man. And if you ain't tried growing with microbes with the living soil, it makes things so much easier, man. So give it a shot. We definitely really appreciate the love. There's been a lot of action out there, moving a lot of recharge. I'm totally psyched, man. Couldn't be happier. Thank you all. Yeah, hit it up, guys. June 15th, we'll have the Dude Grows trailer over there, some banners hanging up, kicking some tunes. There's a food truck there and a hell of a lot of hot deals. So Central Way to Grow, that's over, I believe, on Platte River Drive. 1051 South Platte River Drive and Word. Coming up, we got some news. Scotty, I tried to pick out some, some good news today, some interesting news, get away from any negative news. Almost want to turn it just into the good news. Yeah, make me happy, man. Come on. All right. Well, let's come on back here with uh, – no, let's not come on back. Let's get into what we're smoking, man. I'm pretty excited about what, I, what, what the news I got with how I turn it into what, what the dude's not smoking. Yeah, I want to talk about it because I'm pretty amped up right now on a little bit of uh, a little bit of coffee as usual and some good herb. But what are you smoking today for the show, Scotty? Oh, you guys better get ready, man, because I am on a cerebral high, man. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what I'm smoking this flow, purple flow. Um, you know, I can't be you know as cool as the dude curing it for a month, but it's probably been a down for about ten days now, in a jar for about five days, and the flavor is absolutely just smooth a little bit you know on the fruitier side that you know how i like it and it might just be tricking me because the color is just so purple you know what i mean i think that does something when you just burn purple buds man but it really does you know purple has a taste to it i don't know how do you feel now is this purple is it just the strain flow or is it actually a variety of i called purple flow it's just a flow one of the phenotypes turned purple you know, this is did you have huge temperature variations to ch- pull that off, or it just straight up did it? It's like no, turning this, purple. Yeah, this one just wants to turn purple. This is a specific phenotype in there that wants to turn purple. So awesome. loving it. It wants to be smoked too. Yeah, I know that. Um, you know, outside I got in the grape crush, unbelievable purple flowers, but I was also having huge temperature differentiations, Of course, outside in Colorado, late summer, early fall. But um, that's really sweet when you don't have to do much. Like, I, I didn't do shit, man. This plant just wanted to go purple. So that's cool. I love the bag appeal always on purple strains. You know, I do. I am asked frequently about how I get my plants so purple. I have a purple Urkel that, you know, a guy gave me a cut of. Uh, I showed him what it, what I did with it. And he was like, man, how are you getting that much color out of it? And I'll be a salesman again. But the only thing I do different than some of the other growers I hang with is I use the recharge. You know, so, you know, it is a shotgun blast of a bunch of good things in there, but I do believe that that brings out colors and flavors in your weed. Definitely. Dude, and I have some buds from uh, Sour Relief, Reserva Pravada, that I just harvested, 
and some of the top colas were unbelievable, and now they're, they're, they're curing, so there's no more moisture. I shouldn't say there's not any more moisture in there, but they're not going to shrink up anymore. They're beyond that point, so I will get some video of that, and if you guys are uh, fans of the Dude Grows YouTube channel, sorry, I've been, uh, I've been pushing the podcast and giving a lot of attention. I'll be back on board here. My goal is to get videos out daily, and I think I'll start it off with uh, one of these huge flowers so you guys can see what the recharge is doing as well as what feminized seed did some people like to talk a little trash about feminized seed i had no issues these were beauties um so i just had to throw that in there scotty i had to throw that in there only trash i'll talk about feminized seed is what was going on in my grow a couple weeks ago as i found a huge power plant male that was supposedly from feminized seed so it ain't it ain't a hundred percent man i agree and i did have I did have an issue. Now, I can't say – I've never had any issues. Actually, I can say. In my room through uh, one of my AC ducts, there's the smallest light leak. And I was like, I should take care of that. But I never did. And any of my you know, female cuts have never had issues. Even a, a female cut of Island Sweet Skunk that was over by that light leak. Whereas one of these phenotypes of the uh, Sour Relief, Feminized Seed, I grew two of them from Feminized Seed. One had no issues at all. The other one had, I guess, I don't know, do you call them nanners? Like, on the inside of some of the bigger flowers, there would be undeveloped, like, little little seed pouches, I guess I'd say. I call that Herman, motherfucker. Fucking yeah, but nanners, it's not like, man. when you see the bud, you're like, you could give a shit. There's no seeds in it. The quality on the outside is unbelievable, and you really have to, you have to, like, pick through it to find even a little tiny bit. So it's not... Okay. In my opinion, taking away from the overall quality, maybe in like a competition, you know, or something intense. But uh, you've horrified was, the judges. There was uh, there was that. But anyway, let me tell you what I got, what I'm smoking, what I'm not smoking. I just I like to bring some stories up too, real quick. We don't always get too much into the medical side of things, but I actually ran into a friend. And, you know, keep it a little anonymous here, but he has a niece, I believe, that's a 13-year-old girl in a non-medical state. So they are able to, uh, in a, you know, in a way that they're doing, we'll just say, they got her some of that Rick Simpson oil. She was having seizures twice a week, and for the past month, she has not had one. And I was like, no, like what? And it's always, we hear this in the news, we hear this you know, we know Sanjay Gupta's down. There's a lot of shit going on now, but it's always cool to hear, hear it on a personal level, you know, not coming off of a media source. It's coming from a friend's mouth and being like, dude, that's awesome to hear. That's um, amazing, yeah. I didn't catch, you know, if it was a certain strain, you know, if it was more CBD, this or that. He's just like, all I know is it's this Rick Simpson oil, which a lot of you out there heard. But if you have anybody battling with seizures, like, figure out. It's an option. It doesn't fix everybody by any means. I'm not saying it's the end all, but I sure as hell would look into it. So. Yeah, and I know there's different things with CBDs uh, boiling off at different temperatures than THC. So even if you have you know something with some CBD, you know a strain with some CBDs and some THC, you can still extract both chemicals from it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But yeah, that's just it, it warmed my heart, Scotty. Especially when you're dealing with kids and whatnot, and you know you're dealing. With, I mean, and, and she takes this just before bedtime. I don't know what the dosage is. Probably a few mils. Doesn't bother at all. She's not getting high, you know, during the day and having issues. It's probably more of I'm assuming a heavier indica CBD whatever because she doesn't have any issues. Actually helps her sleep, but she's benefiting from that at bedtime throughout the next day and just yeah, no seizures for a month. I mean that's got to be a trip if you're the person having the seizures. She's like, Shit, this is awesome. Yeah, hell so, yeah, man. 
Let's uh, let's take it's a almost like getting a medicine that tastes good too. You know, <laughs> it may, hey, it maybe it'll make it you know feel good too. Like you said on another show, what's wrong with being a little high if you're somebody that's going through some illness and seizures and things, and it's a happy high or feel good or makes you want to eat or makes you want to get out in the sun or a nice day. Nothing wrong with that at all. Of course, there's side effects. Some people get paranoid, etc. But you got to figure it out. That's just like what the doctors do with all their pharmaceuticals. This ain't working. Shit, try this one. Try this one. Shit, man. If being a little stoned is wrong, I don't want to be right. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, the format today, guys, just a little different, but nothing bad at all. We got three different. They're not all grower sit-ins, but we have. I'm calling it an equipment review with Cody. He's a, a gentleman that works with Way to Grow over there, and he is very knowledgeable on. Uh, we talked Gavita lighting, we talked the 315s, we talked plasma, all kinds of great shit. Talk micro moles, man. We talked micro moles. You don't have an interview. You got the drop in science coming up with Jacob. I'm Hell excited. yeah, man. I'm going to sit down with Jacob a little bit later, and uh, I'm really going to get to the bottom of what's going on with these enzyme products. I know that they work awesome. I've seen, I've been using just two ounces of that BioCozyme in. Uh, a 50-gallon reservoir, and I'm seeing that it's really making my my plants pop and my uh, microbes really active. So I know he was talking about it before. I want to really figure out what's going on. So I'm going to sit down with him in a little bit and talk to him. Hell, yeah. I mean, we all know out. everybody's heard like Hygrozyme, Canazyme, Zyme, yeah, Biocozyme. That, that whole category of products, man. I'm lumping them all in a, the whole category of enzyme products, and I want to find out what they do. And I'll find out if there's a big difference between them or not. I'll ask them. So we also have, guys, a grower sit-in, and this isn't Steve. You know, we had to give Steve from Costa Mesa just a minute off, and we got Eddie. Eddie's going to do a grower sit-in, so we, you know, he's not a super advanced grower. We like to talk to growers on all levels, so Eddie came on, and definitely an interesting conversation between Eddie, Scotty Reel, and Dude Grows. Yeah, it's so much different. He's not in a friendly state, man, so some of the things he's doing is, you know, completely for either convenience or what's available, you know, what's low profile, and man, it's a completely different set of parameters, man. Yeah, yeah. Eddie lives 200 miles from the closest grow store, so... It was definitely, you know, cool to see another perspective and a little bit frustrating at the same time. Feel hella spoiled here in the Denver area. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it, guys. Equipment review, grower sit-in, drop-in science with Jacob. We're not going to have, I shouldn't say we're not going to have too much grow talk today. Didn't take too much off of uh, the email, guys. I will get to that. I've been getting a lot of emails and responding to as many as I can. I really appreciate it. We definitely will uh, keep Dude Grow Show coming at you for all the grow talk you can take. But let's take a break, Scotty. Come back with a little bit of the good news before we get into those three different great grower sit-in equipment reviews. And yeah, man, I'm getting pumped. I'm getting pumped up for Grow Your Own Knowledge yourself. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Come on, I can't waste this cerebral high, man. Let's get into it. Oh, I got, well, I got to drop my own site. Don't forget everything, guys. DudeGrows.com realgrowers.com if you guys do want to pick up that recharge just go over to realgrowers.com head up the store scotty will send it right out to you discreetly uh also i want to say if you want to listen on the go itunes beyond pod youtube you know most good networks host us absolutely just go to dudegrowshow.com you can find it all there word all right let's take a quick break and get a little more tidy up with my mind and come back and talk this news we'll be right back come on right now. Pumping blood. Yeah. What happened with your eyes? You stick something in your eye? No, they pumping blood because I 
smoked too much weed and I drank too much last night. They pump it. They like sure? pump it like my heart. I can feel my heartbeat through my eyes. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's crazy, man. Isn't that crazy? I gotta smoke up again. Yeah, you probably should. I'm gonna smoke up again because that'll, that'll fix that problem right there. Ain't gonna have that problem no more, if you know what I'm saying. Dope. You know what I'm saying? Dope. I like dope. I know you like dope. You like to smoke dope. I like to smoke dope. I like to smoke chiba. I think every single day you wake up, you smoke. I like to smoke the ganja. I like to smoke the marijuana. How much dope do you think you smoke, man? I'm I say I go about pound a day. Pound a day. Yeah, that's a lot. It's not a lot when you grow young. Yeah, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. I mean, I got a whole, I got a whole warehouse for that shit. Right. That's why. How do you think I got this job? You think that your weight problem has something to do with all the dope that you're smoking? I mean, 475 pounds, and you don't have any other skills but verbal. Do you think that's a recipe for uh, for death, my man? I don't think it's a recipe for death. I think it's a recipe for life. I got, um, you know, I think I'm I think I'm healthy. Well, you, you might your brain might be healthy. My brain healthy. My right. my body healthy. Right. It's all good. Look yeah. at me. That's what I'm trying to say. You don't have no skills but verbal. Right? You don't walk around nowhere. You sit in that big chair every day. Right. And you get high. And you smoke pot. That's right. And you get high. That's right. And you smoke. Thank you. You make me laugh. And then you talk on the radio all day. You make me laugh because that shit's funny. It is funny. But it's true. I'm just looking out for your health, man. I don't want you I don't want you to die. All right, we're back. We're back. This first news story, Scotty, it, it, it's dialed at me. I love it. It's out in Washington, um, and it's titled, There's a Marijuana Coffee That Really Lets You Wake and Bake. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Of course, the name of the coffee brand is legal. Straight up, just the word legal. And I kind of like it, you know? Simple enough. They have it, uh, it's a cold coffee. They have it packaged here in these little, uh, man, it just looks like a little stout smaller squished down beer bottle um, it looks like a, a red stripe bottle is what it looks like there you go exactly uh and i really like the angle they're taking out there basically they're not trying to make it you know a strong <laughs> oh my gosh i'm really caffeinated but i'm like paranoid high they're only putting 20 milligrams of thc which i don't want to say only but to my knowledge like some of the bars out there here in colorado were testing like at 100 100 plus 200 100 yeah, a hundred milligrams. If you eat a hundred milligram chocolate, you're fucked up. You eat two of those, you're couch locked, man. Yeah. So the fact that there's only twenty milligrams in it is pretty sweet. Um, and man, I if anybody out there in Colorado knows of a company that's prepackaging like iced coffee like this to pop in your fridge, I'm down because that would, like I said, that'll take a step out of my morning. I'd like to give it a go. Yeah, that's like that's like the recharge of coffee right there. They just put it all in one bottle, you know. I like that. Here you'll like you'll like this uh, this description since you have some connoisseur type descriptions, Scotty. Um, this is them describing a bit. Drinking this, co- hold on, let me back up. Let me try and get. All right, ready? Drinking this coffee is like riding a cool avalanche of pure deliciousness down a tall mountain and landing in an ocean of good feelings. You slip <laughs> off, you'll swim off into a day of work or play filled to the brim with pure joy. That is awesome, don't you? <laughs> I mean, that is great. That is funny. I like that one, man. Some of them get so pretentious, man. It's so funny, man. I mean, they went overboard. I like it. Yeah, just to make it, like, crazy. I mean, who doesn't want to go down a tall mountain and land in an ocean of good feelings, man? Love it. (laughs) 
So I, I want to get my hands on some of the, uh, well, I don't know how I can actually do that until the states in between become legal, but the legal coffee, and if you're out here in Colorado, hook up Dude Grows with some coffee somehow. Send me an email, dudegrows at gmail. I know there's some listeners out there that could help me out. Uh, I'm sure you could just put some of that infused sugar in your coffee from the lava trap. Hey, that's a good idea. About, and you're good to go, man. Good idea. Let's, uh, yeah. all right. Inspiration tomorrow, I'm making infused coffee, man. So don't call me till at least noon. I just want to see somebody that does it too strong. Like, you get those intense people who are like, what are you drinking? Well, this is five shots of espresso and 300 milligrams, right? Dude, I was with some guy that ordered eight shots of espresso one time, just in a glass. That's fucked up. That is fucked up. <laughs> he had to have been Sharon. I mean, I think that would make your head explode and you'd shit yourself or something. He wasn't Sharon, man. He had accumulated a problem, man. He developed himself a little problem. All right, well, I got a next uh, story. It's kind of humorous. If you guys don't know out there, uh, Kevin Sabit, he has a book out. Um, he is with the uh, – he well, he's the former senior policy advisor to the White House drug czar, um, and he had a book he came out called Seven Great Myths About Marijuana titled Reefer Sanity. This uh, is the man who's been called the devil. Yeah, and he's also with the group, I don't know, is it Safer? I don't think it's not Safer. Um, I forgot the name. Smart. There Smart. we go. I believe it's Smart. Very anti-marijuana because they have nothing better to do with themselves. Secretly funded by the Metal on Drug Cartel. Seriously. So, all right, let's just get this real quick. And this this is an institute. This was put out uh, by Cato at Liberty, C-A-T-O, Think Tank. And uh, so they really wanted to – have their uh, feedback on his miss. Miss number one. This is right out of his book. I can't become addicted to marijuana. Answer to this, that might be a myth, but who cares? Addiction is not per se a problem for society or an individual. Just think about how many people are addicted to caffeine. Oh so I like God. it's a right now I'm addicted to these fucking white peaches that they have at the store, man. And literally I smell them and I have to buy them, man. I'd freaking empty my wallet to buy those peaches, man. So Point is, man, there's a lot of things that are habit-forming, even peaches. I agree, and I love that these people make the point that, you know, addiction isn't always a problem, dude. It, addiction's a problem if you're addicted to crack. So, I mean, and I, I speaking on addiction to marijuana, it's one thing. Man, I go on a vacation somewhere, there's absolutely not an option for it seven days in a row. Doesn't bother me a ton. It doesn't bother me physically. Mentally, you know, sure, like right now, it'd be nice to puff on a J a little. You know, verse like... I can be at somewhere where I'm out camping and I really just want to have a six pack that night around the fire. That's going to bother me more than being addicted to marijuana ever. So I don't think marijuana myself is, you know, it's a hugely physically addicting thing by any means. Maybe mentally addicting for some people like Scotty, but otherwise, you know. I'm I somewhat <laughs> physically addicted to marijuana, I'll say, man, because I have a pretty lousy stomach, and my stomach just learns that, you know, when, when it gets that joint or when it gets that little bit of weed, boy, it's time to get hungry. You know, without that little signal, it's just not time to get hungry. Yeah, yeah, and that would be more on the medical side, too, so you're, you know, medically benefiting. But let's go on to myth number two. Today's marijuana is the same old Woodstock weed my parents used. <laughs> In response, true, potency is now higher. But who cares? If given a puff has more THC, users can get high while inhaling less. Yeah, people used to tell me they would just smoke weed all day long in the 70s, and they were like, it didn't really do anything to you, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's, you know, more or less, we're seeing kind of this now with 
people that like to burn a lot, and then they went to dabs, and they're like, shit, I don't need that many dabs. Of course, I've stated my fear is people keep going up that scale of tolerance. What's after dabs? You know, we're going to be mainlining some THC oil. But um, I agree <laughs> with <laughs> with this, that basically, hey, I mean, if it's more potent, that's good for me because, yeah, I don't even ever roll up a big fatty and smoke the whole joint anymore on my own. Or maybe yeah, with another person, barely. And I think people used to, like, have to do that. You would just smoke a couple joints in order to get stoned. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's completely different. Now you can smoke one little puff of, of some concentrate. And, and I was actually at a barbecue uh, this weekend, and I just passed the pen around. Within five seconds, people were high and went back in my pocket and went back to you know doing our Memorial Day barbecue. Money. All right, let's do myth number three. Smoking marijuana once in a while won't harm me as a teen. Answer, no statistically valid study finds negative health effects from occasional use. And I love how they say no statistically valid study because there's a lot of studies out there. But when you dig into how they're funded or the statistics, it's like bullshit. So, I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, smoking marijuana as a teen, I'm going to encourage it. I got plenty of friends that have smoked. You know, I didn't start smoking until probably avidly almost after about 21, 2021. But I have plenty of friends that started smoking at 13, 14, especially right when they got into high school, you know, freshman year on. I really didn't much then, but, I mean, they don't have issues. I think it's more you already have the issue in your head and you're a marijuana user, so they want to throw you into the category, well, it must be the marijuana. But plenty of friends that are successful in all things in life that burned entirely as a teen. So I'm going to vouch on saying, hell yeah, I mean, I'm not encouraging it, but I don't think it's a problem. No, man, all this stuff just has to do with, man, you like to relax. People like to relax. Some people only just want to relax all day and all night, man. They just want to drink beer and party all night and every day. You know what I mean? Other people do it responsibly. Even if, man, I smoke most days. You know, I smoke and do my work, though. You know what I mean? I smoke and really get into my work. Yeah, yep, I agree with that 100%, man. I'm working right now, and I'm smoking. Yeah, as a matter of fact, let me get really high as as, as we're doing our work right now. Yeah, like I said, what's the first thing dude does before he goes mountain biking or snowboarding? I get pretty high. And you know what? It I don't doesn't make me want to sit in my car and not do the activities. And when I'm doing them, it's not that I even notice I'm high to a debilitating point. It's being out in nature for me, man. But let me bro- roll in myth number four. Myth number four, marijuana is not tobacco. It won't harm my lungs. All right. Little evidence finds that marijuana smoking harms the lungs. Most users do not puff all day, every day. But even if marijuana does harm the lungs, this is an argument for legalization. <coughs> Bullshit, man. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't do shit, man. I, uh, <laughs> do your lungs. When marijuana is legal, users can readily find high-potency marijuana, which, as noted above, means less inhalation. Legalization also facilitates ingestion methods other than smoking example vaporization and edibles which reduces risk to lungs so i like it i like it man i love yeah, but that's okay man i don't want people to think that smoking uh you know inhaling whatever the fuck you're inhaling just because it's weed and not tobacco that it's some free ride we all got to take care of our lungs man so i mean that that's okay i think for people to understand that yeah i agree i agree and i don't know if you have this story up i'm gonna have trouble with this one word on myth number five but myth number five is I can't die from marijuana use. 
So, the number of documented deaths from marijuana use is infantness. Is- <laughs> I was going to help you, but it's just so much more fun to listen to okay. you. Okay, yeah, seriously. Infinitesimal. Okay, well, does it bring that again, Scotty. Infinitesimal. Okay, the Tiny. infinitesimal. Yeah. Um, you know, and the answer to this is, I totally agree with again, you know, does Sabit want to ban ibuprofen, swimming pools, peanuts, penicillin? I mean, you could take, the list could go on all day, right? Um, you know, here in Colorado, we've had a few unfortunate instances. I won't even go into detail, um, where somebody has died. But again, I think the problem is there on a mental point, on a psychological point. Marijuana was brought into the equation potentially with other things, circumstances, alcohol, prescription pills, Whatever. Yeah, but let's not beat our beater on the you know the real issue, man. Marijuana can make you dumb, and if you do dumb shit while you're high, you can die. You know what I mean? So <laughs> ten just six, ten six. Teaching a little bit of personal responsibility here. You know what I mean? I don't. I, to be honest, I used to be a, a service plumber. I would get stoned every day for lunch, and then I would electrocute myself by twelve forty-five every <laughs> afternoon, man, by forgetting to turn off the power to whatever I was working on the next, you know, an hour later. So I mean, it's all about how stupid you want to be and how you want to run your life. I, I obviously was 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 pretty much a dumbass back then. You know what I mean? But it's about respecting your life and it's about respecting yourself. Weed is just a choice. You know, it's just one tool you have in the arsenal of keeping you from from being an asshole. Yeah, I agree. It used to blow my mind, like I've said before, I when I I did tree work in the Midwest. You know, was a climber as well as a groundman and all that jazz. And one of the climbers who was the you know the skinniest but strongest motherfucker. Um, that would climb the deadest trees, redneck dude, always, you know, packing the baddie, like right before he got in the saddle and up the tree, I'd be like, I don't know about you, Brian, but when I'm operating a chainsaw hanging from a rope in a saddle, hundred feet up in a dead tree, I don't want to be high on shit. So it's interesting how people use, but regardless, uh, you can die, but yeah. These are all tools, man. It's just tools to put in your box, man, to, you know, to, to use throughout life. So use them responsibly. All right. Myth number six, marijuana is medicine. I can't believe they're calling that a fucking myth. Um, why does it matter whether marijuana is medicine or not? True, some prohibition opponents base their case on marijuana's reputed medicinal value, but the case for legalization is strong regardless. Bombay, Bombay Sapphire Martinis are not medicine. But they make me feel better at the end of the day, and I'm glad they're legal. So that's a great comparison, you know. Alcohol can be, you know, have medicinal value depending on how it's used. You know, back in the day before all the anesthesia and all that shit, I'm sure people got pretty wasted before surgery, and that was their medical value oh, yeah. back then. Did but, 20 shots and saw my leg off, man. Let's seriously. <laughs> I don't want to hear it drop on the ground, though, so cover my ears. <laughs> yeah, man, like, like, you know, it's the same thing, you know, it's just a tool to be used, man. You know, it is medicine. I mean, God, if you, I've had hangovers before, man, really been sick, smoke a little bit of weed, and, oh, man, it makes you feel so much better. I mean, it is the most amazing medicine for that. Yep, exactly, and then let's take that into myth number seven which we talk about on the show a bit. Marijuana will make me a more focused and better driver. I love the response here. Yeah, Give me a break. That's true, man. That's, they're saying <laughs> that's true, right? It is. They are saying this is totally true, and don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, it says, give me a break. Perhaps a few zealots have made this claim, but virtually all legalizers agree that people should not drive under the influence of marijuana as well as everything else. And in conclusion, we say save its seven myths are 
spin, pure and simple, man. Um, so, yeah, I and agree. Look, I got a dirt bike track back at the farm. You know what I mean? And we ride that thing all the time, man. And if you try to ride that track without smoking weed, you'll hurt yourself. <laughs> nice. That is uh, that is a good one. Um, I've been on that track back in the day on a, uh, what was it, a Bandit 352 cycle? What the hell is that Banshee. thing called? Banshee, Banshee. Baby. Dear God, I could not get out of second gear, I don't think. It was like, not because of the mechanics, because it was like, where do I go? I'm already going like 60 miles per hour in second gear. <laughs> yeah, could intense. you imagine if you weren't stoned? I agree, man. It would have been tragic. Shit. All right, the last news story here. Um, Hialeah, is that the town in Florida, Scotty? That is a kind of shitty town in Florida, man. Right. Kind of it's between hot. Miami and Fort Lauderdale. I, I, would just, call, I would call it an official armpit. I would. This just kind of entertained me a little with the way uh, it was covered. So Hialeah Gardens police officers uncover marijuana growing operation. Um, you know, just for us Colorado listeners and legal state listeners, you got to know that this crap's still going on. You don't have to, but it really puts it in perspective sometimes how not luckily they are, but how it finally happened for us. But they show, you know, a scene, police officer, they got garbage bags full of weed going out out into the truck. Um, they found him, man, I can't believe they found an entire 18 marijuana plant, Scotty. So that's what the kingpin, man. That is a kingpin right there. Oh yeah, dude. The police said that the marijuana was valued at a hundred thousand dollars with eighteen plants. (laughs) I mean, it's been pretty big plants, man. Well, you know how they did it, Scotty. I mean, Uh they're saying basically that it was a uh, marijuana was grown in a hydroponic lab, which produced plants with a higher level of THC. That's coming right out of the agent's mouth. Oh, what about the children? Uh, I just love how they say that, you know, it's a hydroponic lab, and it grows more potent weed in the lab. And they also said, the agent said that this produces hallucinations. God, come on, words today. What are we, is it 1994 again, man? I mean, remember you'd see bus back in the day, and it would be like, this is the most sophisticated operation the police have ever seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Shit hanging from wires, like a bare ball bricked up shit. Yeah, Um, you know? Fucking A, man. But if you guys want to hallucinate out there, dude, just grow weed in a hydroponic lab. You know, it would be like shrooms, according to this uh, this agent in this story. Well, in Hialeah, if you want to hallucinate, why don't you just go buy some K2 or some spice at the gas station, man? That'll really <laughs> fuck you up. Oh, man, it's like just making my brain hurt thinking about whatever that does to you, God knows, because I would never tried it and, of course, never will. No, it's shit, and I'm being completely sarcastic, but the point is you can go to a <laughs> gas station and buy completely insane drugs. Isn't that the where the guy ate his, the other person's face off on bath salts? Yeah, dude, yeah, seriously. It was probably about oh 10 miles God. from where they busted these people right now. That is you true. Know what I mean? Somebody they called it like a zombie attack in South Florida, but – Regardless, the, the wording from the uh, the enforcement agencies in this was was pretty hilarious to me. Um, so that's it for the news yeah. today, though. And by the way, that's why I'm fucking out of Florida, man. The place yeah. is insane. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of talented people that brought a lot of money to Florida are also out of Florida because they got <laughs> crazy anachronistic laws that make good people into criminals, man. Yeah, totally, man. Well, let's uh, uh, let's take a turbo break. Then we're gonna get into those three discussions with three different. We got equipment review, we got a grower sit in, and we got dropping science with Jacob from Growmore. All that's coming up next. And then Scotty, if you're still around, we'll sum it up with what's going on in our grows. Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm chilling, man. Man, I'm a weed. 
<laughs> Word. All right, guys, enjoy all this knowledge coming up with three different great people that gave some time to the Dude Grow Show. We'll be right back. Heck yeah, man. special guest today to talk about our equipment review we got cody on the line uh he is a salesman over at way to grow you there cody yeah absolutely how you guys doing hey cody's cody's more than the salesman over there he's the man over there at way to grow anytime i'm talking lights anytime i got a, a question about honestly i was there last week asking a little bit about the 315s homeboy busted some some serious knowledge man i, I said you, you gotta hold up and come on the show share this with everybody man so thank you so much cody for coming on much appreciated bro absolutely thanks for having me hell yeah man so when we i originally walked in and cody's at my home fort collins way to grow store i walked in was talking a little stuff about the uh uh 315s kind of reiterated what uh costa mesa steve had told me and I'm kind of figuring a 315 is just a really efficient metal halide. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking a blue light, great for veg. Is there anything more to it than that, Cody? Yeah. Yeah, actually, there's, there's a little bit more to it than that, depending on how you dice it up. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's a low wattage, uh, high-intensity discharge light that is hung vertically, uh, very, very similar to the OG vertical hood design that you guys talked about, I believe, in an earlier episode. Love those. Love those. Yeah. Yeah. So you get, you get that same type of intensity out of this fixture. Above and beyond that, it's a real cool way that it powers the bulb. It's, it's called a square wave. So instead of your inefficient sawtooth or sine wave where you have peaks and drops and peaks and drops, the square wave is designed to keep the bulb at maximum efficiency, peak efficiency for the full duration. So you actually get more light out of the same wattage if it's run off of a square wave balance. 
Now, explain to me how light is measured, okay? Because, I mean, I know they say lumens are for humans, and don't worry, you'll get tons of chances to say micromoles and all that stuff. <laughs> we're going to talk about those Gavitas later on, and, and I know that uh, I just had Todd the... Uh, Temperature needs, Todd. Thank you. HVAC yeah, tech. The, the HVAC tech here yesterday. He said he's been seeing these Gavitas, and for the amount of power that they're putting in, the amount of light they're getting out is so much more. And I, I just didn't understand what... what measurement scale do they use for that? Uh, they're actually just using straight micromoles. It's just the light intensity. Okay, so and micromoles is, is, is I know lumens are for humans, so what? Lumens is how how a human sees light? Is that right? You're absolutely correct. Yeah, lumens are how we perceive brightness, which to a plant means absolutely nothing. Micromoles actually measure the light intensity in that wavelength as it is related to PAR, photoactive radiation. So when we're talking micromoles, we're talking how much energy is actually in the light plant can use, not how bright it is that we see. Gotcha. Now, is that a separate type of uh, light meter that you would use? You would use a meter that, that detects micromoles instead? You absolutely would. Okay, cool. Now, let me tell you, let me let me bring it a little more simplified. How I measure light is yield, all right? I measure light by my plants responding. Now, these 315s, obviously the hype that I hear, I won't call it hype. This is what we're going to figure out today, is that... Obviously, you're running 315 watts. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So, and if we're getting yield reports close to 600s, this is where everybody's like, you know, eyes pop open, whatever. Like, okay, I'm listening. So, what what have you heard? And also, I believe, which I didn't know, you were telling us about there's two different bulb styles. Is there more like there's a veg bulb for these as well as a bloom bulb? So uh, the bulb it actually comes with is, is more emitting a natural daylight. It's going to come right around 4,200 Kelvin. There is a bulb tuned to a more red spectrum, which would be very similar to the high-pressure sodium that we all like to bloom under now. Wow. Yeah, that's what was really interesting to me. I didn't, you know, I'm thinking of this as really having limitations as a metal halide. And I, I talked to Cody, and he tells me that you can put, uh, what was it, a 4,000 Kelvin bulb in there? You know, a more red bulb? No, that's what it comes with. You can actually drop it down to a uh, a 3,000 Kelvin bulb. Okay, so it's closer to your HPS flowering light, right? Exactly, exactly. More emulating that, that kind of red and orange spectrum. And what is an HPS? What, what, how many? Those are like 2,000 Kelvin, is that right? Typically 3,000 to 2,000, depending on who makes the bulb. Got it. And uh, how old it is, how long it's burned. But yeah, right around that range. Hmm. So maybe that's some of the negative feedback is some of these growers aren't changing to a bloom bulb and just, you know, stoked to get the equipment, didn't even think about it, running their 315 right off the bat into flowering with a light that's more of a halide. Because the results I heard sometimes is a grower is getting really good quality. Costa Mesa Steve ran a similar type of light in a higher wattage and said his flowers were more airy. And the fact could be that, yeah, maybe he didn't change that that out because I get some of the same results when you grow with the metal halide all the way through flowering, which I've I've never done, but you don't get the same girth, you know, and density, etc. You get quality, but I'm assuming that's what's going on if people aren't switching their bulbs on these. I don't think they're really aware that you can. Yeah, I certainly wasn't until yesterday when I talked to you. Uh, yeah, and I mean that really does seem if you can get in that. You said it was right around the 4,000 Kelvin range. Is that right? That's, oh, that's what, what it comes, it comes with. with. Okay, so then you're, you're bringing it down to what, around 3,000? Yep, 2,900 to 3,200, I believe, is the range Philip says on the bulb. That's a nice, happy medium as far as being, you know, yeah, people like to mix their uh, their blues and reds during flowering. I mean, boy, they just did it in a bulb for you. It sounds exciting to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Exciting. 
what do the bulbs run on these in comparison to regular HID lighting cost-wise? Uh, it does run a little bit more. It's about, I believe, 115 to 120 for replacement, but it doesn't deteriorate as quickly as a conventional. So you really run you get longer. I would actually feel completely comfortable running it a year and a half to two. Wow. Uh, two? I don't know, man. That's crazy talk. I mean, but what is it? It's, it's something completely <laughs> different. It's uh, the, the bulb uses completely different technology, right? Like it's what, a crystal or something? I can't remember. I thought it was like ceramic, right? Ceramic metal halide is the discharge, and uh, I believe it's wrapped in quartz. I think that's what Phillips uses for all their bulbs. Gotcha. Well, sounds cool to me, man. I'm into it. Give me the configuration then, like. So we're hearing, uh, um, I guess, on a perfect day, perfect strain, perfect grow room environment that these were hitting really close to a 600. What would you set up over a, let's say, I don't know, a 4x8 table? Like you would run these all on their own or would you run accent HID lighting or would you run, how would you do it for a flowering room? If I was going to bloom under, under these in a 4x8 table, I would probably go with two units and I would change the bulbs down to the 3000 Kelvin, and I would probably call that good. I would maybe supplement with a little bit of blue fluorescent, but I think that would be good enough light for the plant. Yeah, I've seen these over. Uh, Grow Light had a 315, I believe. Uh, somebody did back at, at one of the Max Yield shows, and I saw they had one with two over a 4x8 table, and then the, the real extreme one had three over a 4x8 table. But the two illuminated it nice, real nice. I've heard these are as cool as air-cooled 600s. And these are no lens, guys, everybody listening. There's no air cooling to these. It's an all-in-one unit. Everything hangs. Everything's in the ballast, in the hood. Everything is there. Really clean deal. Do these run as cool as an air-cooled 600? I would say that's probably a little bit of a tough comparison. If there is any variance, it would be very, very close, maybe within a few degrees. Keep in mind, though, uh, the 315 ceramic we're talking about is still an HID bulb. So if you're saying... What's this 315 like compared to a 600? It's roughly half the output, right? Because it's still a high-intensity discharge bulb. Wattage kind of correlates with power. But it has a little bit of an advantage over a conventional air-cooled 600. Once you start pulling air over a bulb, you're cooling that that operating temperature and you're skewing your color, right? Yep, yep. Then you add that lens in the picture. So your color gets skewed once by the, the air cooling the actual fixture itself, and then it gets skewed a second time as it travels through a lens. With an LEC, you don't have the air cooling the bulb, so you stay at the right color, and you don't have a lens to discuss the color a second time. So you actually get much better quality light but less output. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, those guys out in California, I talk to them all the time, and they're saying 15 20% loss just from air cooling. So it's pretty frustrating. You know, a lot of people are uh, not believing in the air cooling anymore. Honestly, it's it's better if you can, but most of us working with a lower ceiling, we have to air cool. We have no other option. Yeah, totally. Agreed. Totally agree with that. I, I still air cool. It's the most efficient way for me. Now, if you have two identical rooms, with master grower in perfect environments. One room has two 600s, one room has two 315s. I would say that the two 600s, obviously, because you've got more power there, there's more energy in that light. You will see more yield. I would say that as far as quality speaking, uh, the quality of light behind the LEC, I would say would give you a better product. Huh. Okay. I mean, could you say there's too many variables to say, I mean, you obviously can't have a solid. Every time you are going to have 15% 
less yield with a 315. Do you have grower reports from anybody that, you know, have said, ah, it was this much less, but it didn't matter because the quality was good and I'm running less power? Is the end well, equation? Hang on a sec. I got to jump in here because yield is followed <laughs> by yield, yield per watt, right? I mean, really what we're talking about is gram per watt of, of, of light. I mean, so can you really compare a six? I think a, about yield per watt and then grams per square feet. And you're absolutely right, Scott, with the, you can't, you cannot compare a 600 to a 315 because it's half the power, half the wattage, right? right? But, so you would, you would see an increase in grams per wattage, to my knowledge. But as far as your overall output from the square footage of that row, your canopy, I think the 600 is going to produce more. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But not twice as much, in my opinion. No. No. So therefore, two 315s, which would equal 630 watts, if I'm using my math correctly, man, <laughs> is, go- is going to way outperform one 600 watt. So if you're yep. setting up some big big warehouse where you know yield per gram is really what you're after, I would really th- consider going with these 315s. Yeah, I agree. I got a great idea too as well. I mean, maybe you could pull some over there, Cody, at Way to Grow, hook the dude up with the ultimate controlled environment grow room here with one 315. I'll put it up against a 600 with identical genetic genetics, and uh, I want to give my own reports. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So it needs to be done and, and fully video documented, so I'll, I'll get that job done one way or another for the listeners here, because I've just been talking about these too much to not fire one up here soon in my own garden, so... Yeah, absolutely. These things are definitely intriguing. I mean, I'm doing some consulting out in Los Angeles on some hundred packs out there, and uh, I'm recommending these things, man. I think it's way smarter to go with a, a 315 than a 600, you know, just packing close together. I think Cody would agree that, that it's really hard to justify changing equipment when, you know, I got some six-inch uh, stars, uh, some great digital ballast, and I buy, you know, $20 Extra Sun 600 watt HPXs are $25 bulbs over a way to grow, and I'm getting the yield and the result and the quality that I want. Like I don't even barely see it getting better, but I love to experiment with gardening. That's why I'm kind of after these. But I can see how you know, it's really hard for people to justify changing shit up when it's just chugging along great, cheap, even though it's old technology. I shouldn't say old. I guess the digital ballast, some of the, the fancy new features, that's not really that old of technology. But still, it's hard for me to justify it sometimes. Yeah. I would like to get rid of, but, hold but on, look. Scotty, all that ducting, the inline fan and shit, like it would really be clean to see three fi- 315s hanging up instead of three 600s with no ducting. The ballasts are in the hood. I don't have to have my ballast on the wall and all that wire running. Like it's definitely. Clean setup, and you know you called my grow room like a European hotel room or some shit. So you know I'm yeah, after definitely. That. But that's what I'm saying, man. Look at look at the way cars ran. You had a big clunky, you know, Ford in the '70s with a big V8 engine, and then as we got uh, further along with technology, we learned how to get that same amount of performance out of less horsepower, you know, out of less inputs. We we built more efficient engines, and that's what I'm starting to think we're we're seeing with with lighting. I mean. These lights are Philips lights. They come from commercial lighting. I mean, there's huge warehouses that all need to be lit up just for, you know, boxes and commerce and whatnot. And those guys all have to pay an electric bill, and they're not yielding, you know, they're not yielding value. They're just storing boxes and lighting up boxes and hallways. So these guys are all about efficiency. That's what really intrigues me about this Philips 315. I think it's a very well thought of commercial light you know a warehouse light that just so happens to have a similar spectrum or a decent spectrum for growing so 
that that's what really has got me going. Yeah, on. Cody, you don't really call this new technology, or would you? I mean, where does it fall in, in technology in the uh, the indoor gardening world? Uh, as far as the, the land technology itself, not so much. But there is something a little bit cool about the ballast behind it. Square wave technology, I believe anyway, it actually it came from Hollywood. <laughs> Interesting. So these guys, they still stage and they need to record film, but traditional uh, sine wave. Uh, there was a, a, a flicker, if you will, because the bulbs were never at peak efficiency all the time. So they'd catch one frame where that bulb wasn't fully illuminated, and it, it looked like a dark spot. Dark. Oh, so that's crazy. they developed a wave to keep the bulb at peak power all the time. But the downside about that, and if you actually plug in a 315 or a Advanced Nutrients has their half ballast, and Hortolux has it's called the Platinum. But if you plug one of those guys in, you can actually hear the bulb hum that the square waves it pulses through. Well, Hollywood didn't really want that either, so they figured out a way to make it silent. Story short, the square waves we have in our ballast now, we can thank the film industry for. Awesome. I'll take it. Huh. I'll take it. And I mean, like, I keep chirping about being equal to a 600. I mean, even if it's, you know, getting 25% efficiency. Long story short, it's going to be better to run more of these instead of more 600s, and uh, less power is better if you're getting quality. I want to change the pace, though, guys. I want to change the pace to the Gavita lighting, if y'all are down, if y'all are down. Absolutely. Yeah, because these are, those are the, the two things that everybody's talking about in the store, man. Either the 315s or just a large-scale Gavita grow, man. I, we were actually geeking out on it at the store yesterday. Me and Cody were, he had all sorts of specs and, and just, man, what do you have, that worksheet straight from Gavita? Yeah, and that's that's actually public information. If if any of our listeners are, are interested in seeing what Gavita recommends as far as the lighting layout, um, they are, they're open to you. Uh, ask them, and they'll get back in touch with you and let you know what they think you should do, and they'll give you all the information you need to make a decision. Yeah, that's what's so wonderful about our industry, man, is it's opening up to where now we're actually able to call reps and just straight, you know, and, and just walk into stores and just straight up say, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is where, where I need to be. Help me design this. Let's reverse engineer this. And it's just awesome to be able to really, you know, get get straight to the source. Now, let me give my beef here from what I know, and you can, you can school me a little, Cody. As far as the Gavita lighting, most popular, I believe they have the double-ended 1,000-watt and they have an air-cooled and a non-air-cooled hood now. Is that correct? Gavita, Gavita does not have an air-cooled hood. Okay. Gavita's sunlight supply made an air-cooled hood. All right. Because, yeah, Gavita's schooling is – I remember seeing a bunch of cool YouTube videos with this guy going off. Is They don't believe in glass at all because you're screwing at the spectrum like you mentioned earlier. So You're correct. You're running – and I was also told these run – they are better, but they run hotter than your regular 1,000-watt HPS. No. Uh, you crank it up so the Gavita ballasts are dimmable. It has a pretty broad range. You can okay. overclock them like everybody's familiar with. And yes, if you turn it up to 1150, it runs hotter than a conventional 1000 watt. But nice. it's still a high pressure sodium. So if we're running 1000, 1000, we're pretty equal. Yeah, and it, so here's the problem I see. If you're a commercial grower, I don't care if you're, you're a grower like me that has a completely sealed environment, closed environment agriculture, whatever you want to call it. When I think of bare bulb, I think of massive AC, uh, huge mini splits, air, uh, you know, expenses going up quickly and trying to keep that grow cool because the amount of just heat coming off. I mean, that, that uh -huh. in my opinion, would, would be the downside of it. 
guys have like is it because people are getting more year to yield and better quality they can justify more ac or what are you guys seeing at the store as far as do you sell these a lot of these to commercial growers as well or yes yes actually a lot of a lot of the more commercial customers have been inclined to to go the Gavita route if you will and here's my take on the whole the whole heat and cooling with that so as you mentioned earlier Gavita is very into not having the light go through glass. Don't cool the bulb at all. Don't add a lens. Well, they're also very into not having a footprint, which is what so many of us talk about with our light. You know, so many footprints in this room, and they're all under this hood. Gavita's thought is you need to back those lights up off the canopy, get them as high as you possibly can, and pack more light in. You don't really have a footprint. Your footprint is the room. Everything's illuminated evenly. Now, like with that. their 1,000 watts, in their best application, they do need a very high lid. So for most of us, again, it's really not an option. It gets too hot, too intense. They do have a 600-watt pro-line fixture that would work for most of the lower ceiling. Okay, so... Yeah, I was told, Gavita, for the for the thousands, nine-foot ceilings minimum, they recommend? That is correct. I would even pretend to be safe. Those guys are intense. Yeah, because they're kind of shaped, the ballast is kind of shaped in an in an L form, right? So that it takes like a foot, just, just the ballast off the ceiling hangs a foot. Yep. That reminds me of when I first started growing, the school of thought or whoever I, I was learning from was like, get your lights pretty damn close. That's why air cooling is good. You want to get your hoods, you know, if you can get like your foot from the canopy, that's great. And I've since then, I, I when I'm month or last, yeah, about last month of, flowering my even my air cooled hundreds are usually at least 18 inches off the canopy and i don't see the plants hating it at all and i think a lot of people mm-hmm. try to do too much light intensity hot spots and too much light right in one area and uh yeah I'm probably not making up for that shit by just not pruning properly down below. but reminded me of that man people don't put your lights too damn there's no rule of thumb yeah. to the listeners. Uh, if you can stick your hand underneath the light, and if it's uncomfortable for you, it's probably uncomfortable for the plant. You should maybe back it off a few inches. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, and I say uncomfortable, meaning obviously you're not. It's not burning you. You can still hold your hand there, but it's starting to. But get it's free. getting warm quick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get it. Get rid of that fox tailing and uh, other problems with uh, yeah top flowers. So yeah, what else can we talk about these double enders, man? Because I'm definitely into them. Again, I haven't run them because I don't think I have the uh, AC capability just yet in my room. But uh, Yeah, those seem like much more of a commercial product. I think that's when you're going into a warehouse. You get to go choose your warehouse, choose ceiling height. I think that's when you uh, and you choose the amount of cooling that you're going to install. That's when I think those Gavita, double-ended Gavita thousands become an option. For the home guy doing a, you know, a closet or a tent or his basement, just not sure that that's going to be, you know, I, I guess it isn't. I, no, I don't even know if it is an option. Who's got nine foot ceilings in their basement? <laughs> are these now yeah. one bulb? Are, are there a grow and a bloom bulb for these as well? Or? No, it's just one. It's one bulb the whole way through. And what Kelvin rating would it be, or how do they rate their bulbs? How many micromoles, dude? <laughs> so the micromole count on these guys is actually through the roof. If you get it up over two thousand. Okay. Um, as far as the Kelvin rating, I believe uh, roughly again the, the 3,500 to 4,000 range. It does have a fair amount of blue in the wavelength as well. You can actually veg under these bolts. Do you know the uh, micromole rate on just a regular, let's say, a Hortolan ATS? Uh, 11 to 1,200. Okay, so it's significantly higher. I mean, you're saying 2,000, close to 2,000. That's definitely a shit ton more. 
That's what I was told as well, man. It's a shit ton more, man. Pardon my French. <laughs> um, now, yeah. all, all these fixtures, I, f- I forgot to mention, I think, um, basically, either can run... The 315s, you have to buy either two, 220 here in Colorado, 220, or 120, correct? It's not like you plug yeah, it in. You, okay, and then... You no, know, you're right. They're two separate units. What about the Gavitas? The new Gavitas that will be coming out will be 120 or 240 volts. So anybody can run those regardless of their power. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Nice. I don't like having to think about buying two different things. Plug it in and work, baby. Hell yeah. Let's get, uh, I want to go to plasmas for a minute, but we, let's mention you guys got some deals, don't you, on both of these light fixtures? Yeah. Yeah. We've got, uh, we have deals on new light packages just from out the, uh, 240 volt light emitting ceramics that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Any way to grow is running 509 plus tax. The, uh, 120 volts running 529. Cool. That sounds good. And then good. for Gavitas, we've got thousand watt packages. The brand new series running five thirty nine plus, and the new plasma that aren't even out yet are going to be running eight ninety nine. And I'm going to have to mention you guys got uh, a sale, liquidation sale coming up at your central store. And you got they're not Gavitas, but anybody wants to try and get in it for well supplies last three ninety five. Is this now? What is that? Is that a, another double ended bare bulb fixture? That is another double ended bare fixture, the e-papillon. Uh, the best way I can describe it, and I mean this in the most flattering way to the guys over at e-papillon, is a uh, very sincere imitation of Gavita. Sure. Okay. Cool. Well, I mean, so I'm it's that same for... concept. They step the voltage up and pull it through the bulb just like Gavita does. Might be a chance to get yourself a deal. Nice. Yes, and of course, listeners, don't forget, uh, Dude Grow Show is going to be over at Central Way to Grow on June 15th. You'll hear that a few times in this episode. Sure, y'all come on over and hang out. It's going to be good. Food truck and be jamming some t- out the dude grows trailer. It's going to be good times. Let's finish this off with, uh, I don't know a lot. I don't, I don't think Cody, you claim to be an expert for plasma lighting because has plasma lighting out, correct? Air cooled and non air cooled, right? Or no. They do. They do actually. So the air cooled one, just so everybody's on the same page, you're not actually cooling the diode. You're cooling the ballast because the plasma. The, the light emitting diode inside doesn't produce heat. Yes, seeing that the tubes mounted like the air cooled tubes just going up over the top part of the, the fixture where the ballast is. And yep. um, what I've done with one of these, it was a different brand back in the day, but very similar to the Kavita fixture. I think it was Polar Ray or something, but um, had a three, I think the 300 watts, no? Uh, they have a 300 now and they just released a new 270 watts. And I grew under one for a complete cycle in flowering and saw about 20 to 25% loss in yield, but unbelievable quality. Like I was just, I was happy with it. But now I think I saw over at the central store, there's a terms of these lights that are going to sell a grow and a bloom or no. There are two different specs of plasma. So okay. one is designed as uh, in full daylight, kind of like the, the LEC we talked about earlier, the 4200 uh-huh. Kelvin. The other is a supplemental spectrum to work in conjunction with their blended bulbs in bloom. Just give it a little bit more of that blue spectrum because there's there's definitely some in the Phillips bulb by itself, but uh, the plasma is really designed to, to bring it to the level you want it to be at. See, that's money because what they're doing there, like you want to hang one of those just between two thousand watt HPSs, that would work great. And like I do at the end of flowering, I switch over my last 10 days Maybe we yeah, seven to ten days. I changed my H, my H, HPS bulbs straight to uh, metal halides, 
And I really see an, an increase in quality and different type of resin production in the flowers, etc. So they're mixing the spectrum here by throwing that in between. And I like supplemental lighting with uh, HPS lighting with people, whether it be plasma or LED. It's really cool to throw some shit in between hoods and see what it does. And it always does something yeah. good for me. Oh, absolutely. Agreed, man. At a certain time, it becomes about, you know, bang for the buck. Um, it's not like we have unlimited budgets with this shit, you know? You want to set up a room once the first time and hopefully get a lot of value out of those light fixtures. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of value, we didn't mention, uh, what about the bulb life on the double-ended Gavita bulbs? What is the recommended change interval? So those bulbs, you're from two to three years, and here's why. The, the Gavita ballast itself sets the voltage up when it goes through the bulb. So it's running at around 400 to 415 volts, which is insanely efficient power. The phosphors wow. in the tube don't degrade anywhere near as quickly as if it's run off of your Extra Sun, your Quantum, your Lunatech, your Phantom, your MagCore, whatever ballast you use. So does it use more power when it steps it up, or they're still about the same wattage as running a 1,000-watt ballast? Or uh, It's going gonna, it's gonna to pull the same regardless. So okay. it's going to have the same draw as 1,000 if you have it set at 1,000. If you have it set at 1,150, it's going to pull just a little more, but very comparable draw to your conventional 1,000-watt ballast. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Scott. It's like some people don't have the budget to set up everything, but, man, it sounds like even in bulb savings, I don't know what the exact equation would be, but, you know, if you could push it to three years with not, you know, only maybe a 10% reduction in yield in a warehouse, you're saving a lot of money on bulbs, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's really going to come down to, especially in these commercial grows, efficiency, man. Who's Who can produce for the, you know the, the least expensive amount man because just like any other product man it's going to get competitive out there well i hope it's quality too it better be efficiency and quality man well, one doesn't exclude they're not mutually exclusive of each other and you would, <laughs> you would think that if you set up a, a a very efficient uh you know lighting situation correctly then quality should should come, you know, should quickly follow. Yeah. They should definitely be in tandem. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. I mean, if you don't make the mistakes of, you know, uh, over, you know, putting too many thousands without the right air conditioning, you're always battling heat problems. Trust me, man. I go to L.A. all the time and constantly see this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right on, right on. I want to ask one more thing here, Cody. The plasmas, lastly, what's the app main application for them you guys are seeing? I mean, I pictured, for one, it could be a cool light because they can run not that hot at all for somebody with confined space, tent growing, per se. I, I don't think any bigger grows are hanging up 8 to 20 to 40 of these guys on their own just due to the supplemental lighting is what I'm picturing. Is what application are you guys mainly seeing with these? So one of the real cool applications for them currently, because they don't really get as hot and we're starting to kind of move into the, the warmer months up here in Colorado, they can save your photo period and help keep your room colder. If you have supplemental plasmas, you could actually stagger your HPS uh, on time back a little bit, maybe after the sun sets and the ambient temperature outside starts to drop. Yeah, I heard uh, another grower uh, recommend that running and some people have questioned me on this, so I'll get your opinion real quick, on running uh, the your HID lighting, like let's say the hottest period of the day, don't run it. Obviously, if you can run your flowering lights at night, run them at night. But they were saying if you run your HID lighting, HPS 1,000 watts or whatever, for five, maybe six hours of the light spectrum, your plants are probably getting enough. They only peak for so long. The rest of the time, just on T5s or something to keep your photo period. For, for example, these plasmas is what they're doing to try and beat the heat, that they're still not seeing a huge reduction in uh, in end yield. And some people are calling bullshit, but uh, what's your opinion? 
so that, that's really a little bit above and beyond my scientific knowledge. But if, if I was to kind of speculate on it. Speculate. I would say that that sounds just about correct to me. Amount of time, and you know, guys, give us send us an email. Chime in uh, that that the, the plants actually need this peak, wa- you know, wattage or light. You know, when I'm down in Florida at my bamboo farm, I drive by this uh, commercial production facility that grows out liners named Yoder, and I'll be damned if I don't see a little looks almost like a halogen light uh, extending their photo period. So they're they're using sunlight then extending the photo period just with a little halogen light, man. So. I wonder if there is something to that, man. Full on, full on there is. Definitely, or preventing plants from flowering too early. You can obviously do that, but that's not too hard because you only have to do a little bit of light to interrupt the photo period. But I'm talking about not running them as much. When I picture the sun going from my outside garden here, my plants outside really only get six six hours out of intense, damn, you can't look sun. The rest of it's kind of the sun's rising and the sun's setting. I don't have any yield problems. So I always look at what nature does. Agreed. But, uh, yeah, I think there's something to that. All right. Well, let's, 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 uh, let's let Cody get out of here. Thanks for all the information, man. Definitely uh, liked you coming in for the equipment review today. Do you guys want to go bullshit with, with Cody? If you're in Colorado, he's up in four. Always, uh, always has a smile on his face and ready to talk grow. So. Absolutely, man. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, you rock, Cody. No Thank you so much, brother. Come on down to this uh, central store at all if you're working uh, down at the garage sale and hang out on June 15th. Love to hang. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if I can make it down. If not, I understand. Four Collins is hard to get out of sometimes. It's pretty badass. <laughs> it is indeed. Who wants to leave? Uh, all right, rambling. Take it easy, Cody. Take it easy, Later, Cody. Thank you so much, man. Word. And you know we'll be right back with more Grow Your Own Knowledge here on the Dude Grow Show, dudegrows.com. You going to come on back and hang out too, Scotty Real? Absolutely. Word, guys. Enjoy some King Marijuana, and we'll be right back. Let's do it. So you definitely have to check out the Dude Grow Show. I mean, this brother keep it real. If you want the true facts of what is, you have to check out the show, yeah. DudeGrows.com. Look, I'm going to pull that dictionary out. Yeah, we're going to get us another word. You ready? Okay, what is, what is that? I'm just gonna close my eyes and I'm just gonna point at a word. Let's see. Let's see. How about, uh, here it is. Handsome. Handsome is a good word and I think it's spelled H A N D S O M E. Is that right? Handsome. Right. You wanna use a word? Yeah, listen. Um, pretend like you're doing a spelling bee. Okay. You gotta say the word, you gotta spell the word, and then, and then provide us a sentence whereby we can listen to what your usage of that word is. Okay, alright. Right. Alright, okay, here you go. Handsome. Um, alright. I need to smoke up again. Hand some of that weed over here to me. I think that's a good usage. But again, that's not the way I probably want to use it. But how do you use that? Well, hand some of that weed over in my way. Well, I know you're proper. You're using it properly, but in the wrong way. Yeah. Have you ever heard? You ever heard of calling somebody handsome? Say that's a handsome. That's a handsome woman. That sounds like a person who gave you the weed. Well, she a handsome woman because she handsome weed to you. Let's move on to another word. All right. All right. Let's, let me open up. And I'm just gonna point to a word. How about how about this one right here? Hey y'all. If
It's Scotty Real here talking about Recharge. And if you don't know, Recharge is my shotgun blast of organic goodness that takes the guesswork out of growing great herb. What makes Recharge unlike any other product in the store is my soil biology. Each gram of Recharge has over 400 million CFU of living soil bacteria that act like billions of tiny little stomachs, voraciously eating and delivering nutrients to the plant, all nicely wrapped up in this delicious organic package. The results are serious dank flavor and crazy strong and vigorous plants. And if you don't believe me, just ask Courtney. Doing this talk with this brother here is just highlighting the good essence of Recharge. Now that's what I'm saying. So go on over to realgrowers.com and check out Recharge. You'll be glad you did. Alright, what's up growers? We're back. Eddie's came to hang out with us and man, you there too, Scotty? Yo, yo, absolutely, man. What's up, yeah. Eddie? Yeah, what's up, man? Yeah, man. So how, how you doing? You? Oh shit. We're doing real good, man. Real good. I like Eddie, man. He's 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 a fellow cocoa grower, man. Straight cocoa? Yeah. But he's using the uh the blocks, right? You're using those compressed bricks of cocoa, ain't that right? Yeah, that's right. I rinse them out sometimes. Yeah, they are salty. Well what I use is a uh, I rinse them with some fresh water, with tap water, and then I try to put some uh, hot water. I let it kind of drain out a little to get with, like, the stuff in the cool water, and then I give it hot water from, like, the shower. I give it, give it gallons and gallons of that. I see some of the, the PPM go down as I do that. Now, what are you starting at? Well, if you were to just take – I just did this experiment. Eddie inspired me to go down and uh, take a little bit of can of cocoa. I put it in a little keg cup, you know, poked a couple holes in the bottom of it. And uh, just poured some, I think it was 60 parts per million water. Not RO water, but, you know, clean water. Colorado, Rocky Mountain water. <laughs> <laughs> and it came through. I was surprised. It came out at about, three hundred, I think, 370 parts per million. So it picked up 300 parts per million, man. So really? I was surprised. What are you starting out at, Eddie, when you, when you start out with – what kind of water where you're at? What, what is it read, read at, parts per million? Uh, 667 parts per million. Oh, my Off God. We, we, we need a wacky sound effect for that one, man. Whoa! So wait, that's that's just that's right off the tap, out of your faucet. Yeah, yes. And um, we actually have a, a family that lives in a well water. It's about about four miles away. They're getting about eight hundred. Are you on a well as yeah. also? No, I'm actually going from the city. Wow. So there's just a lot of dissolved solids in there. So that's a lot of salt right there. So if you're washing the salt out with salty water. Jeez. Please tell me <laughs> yeah. you fil- you filter that. Do you do you have the ability to use RO water? Oh yes, I, I feed with RO water, but like I was telling them, um, uh, Scotty, I was um, I I got an RO machine, and I see that thing waste about maybe maybe ten twenty gallons just to fill up one gallon, and I think to myself, if I'm getting charged maybe about ten cents a gallon, I don't think I'm getting charged around there, but around there. That's two dollars for one gallon. When I can go to the store over here, we have one of those uh, water RO machines that they for five gallon containers, and I fill it up there for like one twenty five, I believe. So I get five gallons compared to one gallon or two. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that That's in us. We're spoiled out here, dude. I seen that in Los Angeles, man. They got like it looks like a, a car wash, but you just go there and get water. You know, because the water's so shitty out of the tap. So. All right, man, man, but that's the first thing, man, is that if you're washing it, you know, in the, sh- you know, if you're hydrating it and and washing it in the shower and that's 600 parts per million uh, worth, worth of salt, dude, like, that's probably not helping the salt, helping not wash the salt out, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. The the thing is, it's just the, the, the price, but what that's why I come in with the hot water, 
you know, to kind of like release, like break out some of those salt, salty, uh, salts that are in there. Sure. And I, I find that if, if, if I, even when I do this, this is how I actually do it. I get a, a cup and I use a slurry test from what I've been reading a lot. And some guy, uh, I, I got a, a friend that emailed me and told me to try this out to see how much your parts per million are in there. Get a cup of water distilled. He said one ounce. This is going off him, not from what I, okay. I've seen a whole bunch of different recipes. One ounce of distilled water. Uh, this is zero. You can get it. I try to get it at seven and, uh, Put it in the cocoa. Use an ounce of cocoa. Measure them out, and I I figured it out through Google what how much it measured. It said just an ounce, ounce, and it came out that my parts per million, even when I'm rinsing with that, is one ninety seven, one ninety eight. I don't really can't get it any lower. With, no, see, that that's not sound, that bad. That, that don't sound bad, right there, man. You could work with that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I have I have been working with it. But uh, I'm noticing maybe it's just the, the strain. I think it's a sour diesel cross, and I don't know if it's one of these crosses that somebody I heard on the written on the forum that it, it tends to want Calmag, and I think it's true because I all my other strains don't do, have no problem, just this one, and it's I have four of the same ones, so I could see on all four of them, and well, it's shit. like they were deteriorating in front of me. But everything in cocoa wants Calmag. I mean, I'm putting a shitload of Calmag. If I'm growing pure cocoa, I'm putting five mils of Calmag in per gallon of water. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, I do that also. Yeah, and that's consistent. Every water and I'm doing that. Are you seeing a problem, a CalMag deficiency? Is that one of your, your issues? I don't see too much uh, literature on CalMags, you know what I mean, on, online or anywhere else, too much to show me. I try to use my pepper plants as examples on how to figure it out. You know, I know they have a lot of literature on, on peppers. And mm-hmm. I know, like, veins, you know, the green veins and the yellowing of the leaves. Sure. Yeah. That's how I kind of figured it's a mag problem. And right. a calcium, I usually see bubbles on the top of my peppers, and I look for problems like if the, the top ain't growing too much, you know, it looks kind of small. That kind of gives me an idea that it's calcium and also the, the burning of the, not the burning, but like the, I, I call it like a scab because that's what it looks like. It doesn't really feel like one, but I can see it. It looks like a burn, to be honest with you, sure. on the leaf. I know so exactly. And I've been getting a lot of that. We're confident it's a Calmag problem, Scott. Like you've you've said, if you see the inner vanal parts of the leaf staying green, where the rest of the leaf is starting to yellow out, versus let's say nitrogen deficiency, you see the whole leaf kind of fade out. So that's like a telltale sign, right? Where you have inner veins staying green is like, what do you think? That's probably the best way to tell. Hey, you know what the Scotty Real says, man? Who cares if it's not, man? Just give it Calmag anyway, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, don't yeah. wait for the calcium deficiency. I just use CalMag as a staple. If I'm in cocoa, I'm going to use CalMag as a staple and just never wait for that CalMag deficiency to show itself. How are you feeding them uh, CalMag now? What are you using? Well, I was actually, when I started off with these clones, I have gotten this bottle from the uh, eBay. I bought these two bottles of Advanced Nutrients Jungle Juice. It was $16 at the time, and I thought, oh, what I got to lose? It's only just a point. It's free shipping, so I, I took advantage of that. Sure. And I was using I was using it at five milliliters. That's uh, the lowest dose, and it says it starts cloning off that. So do you say jungle juice? Is that what you said from advanced? Yep. And so yep. that's your base, your Hope. base nutrient. And then do you have yeah, another supplement? Bottom. Oh, yes. I was using uh, floor blend with that, but just recently started adding floor blend in there. Um, and especially when I saw the show with, uh, uh, what is the name, from Costa Mesa? Yep. Steve, I believe, and yeah. he, he started saying there was tricatinol in there also, so now I've been kind of like using a little bit of it. Let me see. I was using a jungle juice, and the jungle juice cocoa seemed to be working on some of my strengths, but the ones that had the CalMag, I bumped it up, and even when I bumped it up to the fullest strength, I was still seeing like the CalMag traveling up faster. Like it was, 
wasn't even doing anything. So I, I said, you know what, stop using that. I'm going to start using my CalMag and the Technosaur that I had originally. My wife had kind of bought a birthday present for me, and I thought it was real nice, a recipe for success. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, I've and heard of that. It's good. It, it works good as long as you use this uh, with CalMag, you know, I, for cocoa, just to grow. I know the grow for sure. The, I don't know if the blooming would work real good. I don't use that for blooming. It worked pretty good, and I have it's ever since I've been using that, and then watering with CalMag at 10 milliliters due to the deficiencies. Uh, you know how to help them out, and it's actually been, it, they got better. They really did get better, but the, the problem I see more is that I'm, I'm scared that it, it might have been when I cloned this plant. I noticed she had a little CalMag. My pH is 5.8. Five eight. You've made sure you haven't had any pH issues, right? Like you keep your pen calibrated highly, yeah, and okay. Yeah, I've talked to Eddie about his pH because he originally came to me saying, "Hey man, maybe it's pH. What do you think?" And I was like, "Nah, nah, it's fine." <laughs> what do you water in, Coco Scotty? What pH? I try to keep it right at six zero. I'll be at five eight sometimes. Really, I, I'm not a pH nut, man. I mean, I've got my. Uh, my, my formula dialed in, and even if it's 5.5, five, I really won't adjust it up. I'll just water it in at 5.5. Five. I've got tons of organics that are going to be eating, you know, the microbes that are going to be eating that up. Even if it's 6.3, six, 6.4, six, I'll leave it because I definitely know factually different nutrients are absorbed at different pHs. You know, at 5.8, different nutrients are absorbed than at 5.5 five, and vice versa. So Yeah, let it float a little around. I do as well. You know, I could water in anywhere from... And six two to seven, depending on what time of growth I'm in. But I don't think, I mean, I think that's a fine pH. But I've had problems before with nitrogen deficiency growing organically because I didn't think ahead, knowing the problems coming. You know, you might you're going to need extra CalMag and cocoa. So with this specific strain, so that, I mean, if you're on top of it and your pH is dialed, you're you're probably not seeing that issue, right? Have you had enough time to alleviate it? Uh, yes, a month. I, I, I threw a whole month into it and. I was kind of scared that I had to get rid of them, and their mothers, I try to keep four just in case one, you know, fades or does something wrong to it, and it, I was seeing them really just die in front of me, so what I kind of did, and I noticed this helped out two of them, was I transplanted them, but I'm limited on space, so I said only two, I'm going to try to transplant two, the, two of the best ones. Did you foil your feet at all? Did you spurt, try and do a yes. four calma, and did you yes. see, you should have seen pretty good results with that. Quicker than a month, hopefully. No, I did not. I did not. Really? Yeah, I sick really plants, sick plant, water. Man. Yeah, yeah. And you got to be patient, definitely, sometime when the problem's, you know, really evident. But yeah, yeah. beautiful now, but good. Was, good. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> Yeah, I would think just, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of, of advanced jungle juice, just as a, if I'm starting with a base, I, pro I probably would try to think of a more stable, in my opinion, a more stable base. But yeah, I would think about getting maybe some canna A and B or something like that. You know, I mean, yeah, that's what I use, so, I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, but, choose between if you want really clean, you know, um, chemical, I would, I'd vote for the canna A and B too as well. Just uh, not salty, not salty, you know what I mean? A lot of this stuff is going to be salt-based, which is going to give you problems. Yeah, or try those other bases yeah. I'm a fan of that work great in cocoa. The the organic synthetic mixes work awesome in cocoa, too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, yo, try some microbes, man. Microbes fix everything. I'm going to send you out some recharge. You try that stuff up, man. You let me know. Yeah. Do you use microbes? Uh, outdoors. Outdoors, I tend to compost, and I have a belief that i, I got to leave this for my kids, you know, they're going to yeah, live on this. definitely. You know, and so I got it compost, and uh, I try to do, uh, I've been learning about some other, uh, Kashi, I believe. Yeah. And one of the things that, that I was going to tell you, I have a GH package, but it's so salty, you know, and 
I don't really want to use it in the cocoa because I don't know if I'm able to, because I'm RO water. See, I think that's really what goes back to the RO water just, you know, doesn't have nothing in it. And I wanted to go back to that because of it, it just, it drives me crazy when you see it. It feels like you have no control over what's going to happen, and all you can do is just up the CalMag. And I just wanted to bring that up. Like, I have that GH, and I just can't, I can't seem to want to use it because of the salt, you know? And it just... Yeah, screw I don't that. Know. You don't, and that sure. just makes more work for you. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, I be using a salty nutrient in cocoa. Yeah, no way, yeah. man. No way. I mean, I mean, I can even say that in Spanish. Mas sal <laughs> es mas problemas. Yeah, yeah. Also, can I can I say something about the the problem? The reason why I really started with the bill because where I'm from, we don't have a hydro store. Maybe about 200 miles, maybe more. Shit. And Gosh. the shipping, the shipping is the is the problem on that. So. I was really searching the internet for a bag of botanicare, botanicare, cocoa, and I, I had good results one time about 2009. I had using it without no deficiency, nothing, just GH, but I know it's was salt. But man, the shipping is high, man. So the bills were the next best thing, and that was a couple months ago, and now the price are up. I, fi- I guess they figured that hard to ship that stuff, you know. Do you have any like do you have any garden centers close by or anybody that could carry any quality potting mix and maybe you could uh, make it easier and cheaper on yourself? I mean, even if some garden centers oh. carry ocean forest or you could mix that with a basic peat um and I I mean, I'm unless you're hell bent on cocoa, I like cocoa. I don't use cocoa myself. I'm a peat cocoa mix, but for the inconvenience and cost of having that shit through the mail, maybe you get something from a local garden center. Yeah, but it is interesting, Eddie. I mean, normally I'm you know sitting here in, in Colorado in the epicenter of it all, saying, "Why would you use compressed brick of cocoa when there's so much else available?" But yeah, for you, it makes total sense, man. I get it. Yeah, it, the the shipping on the sunshine mix, which I used to use, is about fifty dollars, and the sunshine mix is about forty-seven. So I'm paying more for shipping than I would pay for the, the bill. You know what I mean? The the nursery I went to, she's a she's an outdoor, so she got it for me, uh, a little bag of professional. It's the same. Uh, it's somewhat the same. It doesn't have the aggregate mix. Sure. And I use it outdoors. But she got it for me for $25. It was 2.8 cubic feet, I believe. Mm. And the thing was, it seemed like she left it outside and didn't right. take care of it, left it with her plants. And I've been real scared of getting any thrips and fungus. Now I try to keep it clean. Hell and, yeah, man. Uh, Maybe you need to open up a hydro store, Eddie. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about it, man. I've been thinking about stuff like that, you know, especially what's going on everywhere around us, you know. I've been thinking about getting in that way. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Well, okay, so let's try to wrap this up and give Eddie some, some pointers. All right, I got like, one. I got one, Scotty. Yes, sir. What you got? I, I didn't get a one clear answer. Are you using any beneficial product now for your cocoa, any microbes or anything, or mycorrhizae or any of that stuff? No, uh, the only thing I was using is during bloom. I guess you could say, like, so we'll hook gotcha. you, yeah we'll get got to get you some recharge and for that calmag deficiency this ncalmag mendocino ncalmag is super affordable and i think scotty you might have a well, sample i'm gonna I'm hook you up man we're gonna see if we can fix you up here and for all you other growers out there that are hanging out give us a call man do a little grower sit in with you if we can help you we will absolutely man dude grows at gmail anytime Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's hook them up with that, Scotty. Some recharge and then the NCal mag because that's a great, you know, one. It's organic. I don't know if it's labeled as pure organic, but it's a concentrated, affordable, agricultural quality cal mag. I'll call it. Hell yeah, man! And I think you just start adding that consistently, five mils a gallon. And then, how are you feeding? Doing one feed and then one water, or feeding a light nutrient solution all the time? I feed about 
about 950 the first time, lower it down to about seven. But this is with the Calmac, and then I use just pure Calmac and like the floor blend to kind of like wash it all the way since I'm using the Technofloor now. I've been doing that. That's how I always do it. It minus the, the floor blend, so I found out that's what was in it that I canceled. I just got got some the other day, didn't even know it was in Hey, remember what there, Steve you know? said, though? Remember what Steve and Jacob both said, that Tricanthanol is best used as a foliar, and it's super efficient I, as a foliar. I remember hearing that. I swear I was thinking that, and it didn't give me a, a recipe for foliar, but I looked on the GH blog, and I think it said 15, but I don't want to quote that, you know, let me put it on sure. on here. But I, I think it said on one of their GH blogs, it, some guy asked if it's a folder feed, and I, I'm not too sure if it's 15 millimeters per gallon and folder feed then, but I think that would be the best, you know, from what I heard from y'all and Jacob. Sure, and don't be afraid, man, to call these formulators, man. Just like we called Jacob and we got the formulator on the line, I mean, call GH and get somebody to tell you exactly how to foliar the specific product that you want, man. These guys are all playing the game a bit now, so... Don't be afraid, everybody out there. Reach out to your reps, man, or reach out to uh, the companies and ask them how to use this stuff. They want you to have success with it. Yeah, another thing also, one other product I could recommend, it's called Elemental, and this is from Roots Organics. And basically, I like to top dress my plants, you know, so you're having a Calamag. This is basically a dried, you know, powder you can top dress. I don't know the exact ingredients, but it's focusing on Calamag. That way you have another way you're getting it in there. Of course, you want to be careful not to overdo it, but I always like having some top dress just to make up for anything I'm forgetting, or maybe I'm in a rush and I just got to give some plain water real quick, but I know I'm at least leaching through what I've top dressed, so it helps cover your basis. I would mix like 25 gallons of nutrients. Say that's what I would use during a week if I watered all my plants. Say I'd mix up 25 gallons and I'd water them maybe with two-gallon watering can or something like that. I'd put some recharge in there right before I applied it to the plants. Put a little bit of recharge in the watering can. One or two days, you go with straight nutrient, and then another day with straight water. I usually go two days with nutrient, one day with plain water. Two days with nutrient, one day with plain water. And I'll do that like every other day. Sometimes I have to water every day. Depends on the size of the pot. I got a question on this. Should I use RO water? Should I RO the, I mean, give it RO with Calmag and then the, the bennies, or should I just give it pure RO? Put it this way. Anytime that I would do it, I would have a nutrient day and then a plain water day. And I didn't really mix the two of them. You know, on the nutrient day, I would give them your base nutrients, your CalMag, and your microbes. And, you know, and then on the RO day, I would just give them plain RO water and let it run off. Okay. No, no, no microbes in there, right? Uh, not, not on the plain water day. On the plain water day, okay. just, just give them plain water. Well, let's cut, the, let's cut this in just a little short. Eddie, we can have you back on for sure. I'd love to talk a little IPM and bug stuff as well. I know what we got is going to help you out with recharge in the end, CalMag, for sure. So we'll hook that up out to you definitely, and you'll have to give us feedback. We'll have to get you back on after you use the shit for a little bit so you can let us know how well you're doing. I'll definitely, I'll definitely do that. Sweet. Hell yeah, man. Cool, man. Thanks for reaching out, Eddie. I appreciate it, man. No problem. Thanks for helping me out a lot, man. I appreciate this a lot. Ah, no worries, my friend. We're all out to just grow our own kind bud, man. We got to grow some deliciousness, man. That's what it's all about. Right on, right on. All right, guys. We'll be right back. We got a lot more grow talk coming up as usual. Thanks, Eddie. And hold on the line. We'll get some info and, yeah, get this stuff out to you. Dude Grow Show. We'll be right back. All right. Hi there, boys and girls. Would you like to come on a wonderful trip with me? Where you could be most anything you'd like to be?
Hey guys, remember that there's plenty more great grow knowledge over at DudeGrows.com. So go check out all of our news, videos, and latest articles about growing great weed without all the bullshit. And remember, it's donations from listeners like you that keep the real deal marijuana grow knowledge coming at ya. So visit DudeGrows.com and be the DGC. What's up, y'all? Scotty Real hanging out today with the... We're going to call this the drop in science segment because that's exactly what we aim to do here. We're trying to get to the facts, trying to figure out what things really do as opposed to what we think things do and what we feel they do. So I got Jacob from Gromo on the line with me. How you doing, brother? Good, Scott. Good to talk to you. Hell yeah, man. Thank you, man. Jake's like our, our star formulator out there in, in La La Land, out there in California. And uh, man, you're in the epicenter out there as well. I tell you what, man. Yeah, I felt an earthquake just about four, three, three weeks ago. That was uh, it was pretty large, and it definitely startled me. Swung some stuff in the house. Nothing broke. Everyone was safe. But yeah, it just reminded me that I do live in earthquake country. Although I'm avoiding tornadoes and snowstorms and the like, uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't run from all natural disasters. Or hell no, things. you got to pick and choose, man. You know. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. So what I want to talk today about is enzyme products. Man, I seen. I probably the first enzyme product I saw was Hygrozyme. Not sure what it did. People would tell me things about, oh, it eats the dead stuff in your soil and it makes more room for new roots and whatever. It was very expensive, but I used it and I just happened to notice, you know, this is kind of how, how we do, but I happened to notice that it worked, you know, or I should say I happened to notice that when I used it, I had great harvest. So you don't have to be a genius to keep on buying it. Now, there's been a bunch. I know when I started using the canaline, there's canazyme, which I'm, I'm looking for the ZYM at the end of these. There's a product called Zyme. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. There's, uh, boy, there's a bunch of them. Prozyme was one. Anyway, I, I kind of trying to understand the category of enzyme products. Jacob, what do they do? Well, you know, a, a little bit about enzymes. Right, the the enzymes, and we talked to this a little bit about enzymes before in our previous discussion. But I guess you know, let's just jump right in and focus on enzymes and, and microbes this time. Sure. You know, it's it's just an organic complex, and it's made up of uh, proteins, amino acids, ribonucleic acid, and the, the composition of these individual enzymes depend on its function, right? And they pretty much an enzyme is the primary mechanism by which all living things, and for example, in our instance here, we're talking about plants depend on it to regulate metabolic activity. So, you know, personally for me as a human, in my daily multivitamin, there are enzymes, uh, protease, amylase, and uh, other specific enzymes that help the digestion and breaking down of, uh, of material, which in this case for me eating is food, right? Got it. So in terms, simple terms, these enzymes are required, you know, for life considering they're doing everything for this metabolic activity and their specific function when we apply them in the plant world is going to, greatly increase the metabolic activity in, in biology, right? So, you know, there's an enzyme in the liver that helps break hydrogen peroxide down into water and oxygen. You know, it's crazy that one enzyme can process millions of hydrogen peroxide molecules in, in a minute, right? Gotcha. So I'm, I'm hearing, the, the, I guess the key words, it's, you know, simple Scott is here and his metabolic rate. So the, for metabolic activity, if, we've give, if we give the proper enzymes or if we give plenty of enzymes, we can expect as fast of metabolic activity as possible. Is that correct? Right, and then, yeah, and so with saying that in another simple way, too, uh, as, as, a, as a way that enzymes function, is that they all function as an aid in the general process of basically con- converting minerals into an absorbable food for the plant. You know, with 
a little help from some various types of bacteria in some cases, which is why I talk about the benefits, and we'll get into this later, about how microbes and enzymes kind of have a symbiotic relationship with one another. Gotcha, yeah, because I'm, I'm huge into beneficial bacteria with my recharge, and I, I've just noticed how great things have been ever since I started using the BioCozyme. You know, that's, your, that's the Gromor's enzyme product right there. And I just see them working together. You've told me a bit about it, but I really want to know some facts. So, Yeah, I guess what would be helpful to start, too, is we've talked a little bit about what enzymes do and how they function with them. But let's talk a little bit about when people aren't using it. I hear a lot of times growers will ask me, well, what am I really going to get the benefit from of enzymes? You know, maybe I've used brand A before, and I didn't notice that great of a difference in my root zone. I didn't know my root, my yield increase at all. I didn't notice plant health go up. You know, some people will say, oh, my roots were a little bit whiter. I've heard that conversely, some people's reservoir gets even browner. So, uh, you know, assuming that the enzymatic activity is functioning in the reservoir, people are using a product that actually has, you know, a good amount of a variety of enzymes in it, and they have a high level of enzymatic activity. You know, without enzymes and without all those things in play, the plants can't really effectively use the minerals available to them, you know. So... I mean, there's a ton of chemical reactions going on within the, the plant. That includes, you know, respiration, photosynthesis, growth, and enzymes are used in all of those reactions to a certain degree. Okay, so and what I'm catching here is what you're saying is you need a diverse group of enzymes. So when we're buying these products, it's not just one enzyme. You're brewing, you you, you got a, a witch's brew of enzymes in there. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's, you know, a few thousand different kinds of enzymes, right? And Oh, wow. And so uh, there's about 2,500 actually. So, you know, basically, as we talked about, each enzymes are used in all chemical reactions, but there are specific enzymes that have specific reactions and that are basically certain catalysts for growth. They're, you know, catalysts for increasing that metabolic activity while protecting the plants from disease and stress. And so be, and each enzyme only catalyzes one reaction, right? And because of that, there are obviously are thousands of different enzymes in a cell catalyzing thousands of different reactions. So, you know, at least... You know, I don't know, there's, there's just a host of, you know, then, then you get more specific with five, you know, sure. five enzymes okay. playing a role in this. And, and just so I guess, sorry, in real simple, as you call it, Scotty terms, while there are about 2,500 different kinds of enzymes, individual enzymes are highly specific and work only on a limited range of substrate to perform that single process. So for that reason, the correct choice of enzymes that best promote plant health and yields is really crucial in developing enzymatic products for use in agriculture and hydroponics. So as long as we're trying to really explore the category here and without being specific, are all these products, when you're, when you're analyzing or taking a look at all these different products, are they all about the same? Is it the same group of enzymes or are they No, well, you know, that's a great question. Different. So to break it down for the grower, um, the most agriculturally, hydroponically important enzymes are those that catalyze the digestion or simply hydrolysis, you've heard that thrown around, of certain sure. large organic molecules and that are in the plants are starch, cellulose, and protein. Those are the three main organic molecules that we want to focus our enzymes on to help break down. So what the enzyme's doing is attacking, just figure it's attacking these complex molecules, accelerating the digestion of it and yielding simpler substances just like simple sugars. So since this, you know, process of digestion is typically what you refer to as hydrolysis, the enzymes that catalyze those processes of breaking down the starch, breaking down the cellulose and protein are considered to be hydrolyzing enzymes. So basically you want as a grower to make sure that you're using hydrolyzing enzymes 
in your enzymatic formula to be most beneficial for your plant. You know, that being said, there's obviously 2,500 different kinds of enzymes. There's probably about 2,000 that aren't even really relative in agriculture or hydroponics, right? Gotcha. So a couple gotcha. of those hydrolyzing enzymes include, you know, lipase, proteases, uh, amylases, uh, cellulase, beta-glucanase, and pectinase. Those are like the top six, right? So let's just talk about what the last one I mentioned, pectinase. It digests pectin and simple, sim- similar carbohydrates of plant origin or simple carbs. So basically the, the, the prefix pectin and the, you know, the suffix ace, you'll see that a lot, cellulase, you know, um, pectinase. So pectinase is digesting pectin, right? Cellulase is breaking down the cellulose, you know, the cellulose. Right. And that's when you hear about people saying, oh, well, you know, use this product, this enzyme, because it's breaking down your dead root material and it's turning it into a sugar and it's shooting it back up as food for the plant. Now, while in a real simple argument that could be made, it's a little bit more complicated than that. But as long as you're using hydrolyzing enzymes and you have a microbial environment with microorganisms that are functioning within these enzymes, then, yeah, that definitely can take place. And that's where I see the benefit of enzymes more than, like, cleaning up your roots. So explain to me why I'm seeing such a pop with the recharge now that I'm using these together. Well, you know, I guess we've kind of gone over a little bit about the enzymes. So if you want to use them in conjunction with the beneficial microbes like the recharge, you know, we kind of have to understand a little bit more about the beneficial microbes. So I know I'm kind of going all over the place like I do with you, but this is going to, we'll, we'll pull it all together. So, Hey guys, just rewind this if you don't understand. <laughs> I listen to them all three times. I'm on an edit free interview. So, you know, pretty much we're going to go ahead and just keep, keep going. So obviously with the recharge, the, those are bacteria and, and fungi and, and those are living cells that have the capabilities of consuming waste of different types, reproducing and even producing enzymes, right? So commercially available enzymes are really derived from bacteria and fungi like Bacillus, Aspergillus, and Trichoderma species, among others. So for instance, the bacteria have the capability of producing many different types of enzymes, and they are living organisms that respond to their environment. So in general, bacteria are capable of producing enzymes that degrade a wide variety of organic materials, fats, oils, cellulose, proteins, starches. So the bacteria and fungi, when you're using the recharge, you're pretty much creating uh, in your soil a factory that produces enzymes. And when the right bacteria and fungi are present in the right quantities and I guess in the right conditions, they're going to produce enzymes much more you know, economically and not stress the plant out than, than people can manufacture them. So while a lot of these hydronutrient companies are trying to put enzymes in the bottle, you're really going to be creating an environment where these enzymes are going to proliferate and be generated when you're in the root zone with these with your microbes. So at that point, the enzymes are almost like a starter culture? Is that what you're saying? Basically, the enzymes, uh, the, the microbes would essentially be, you know, part of the, the kicker, so to speak. And this Got also it. goes for anybody out there that's brewing compost teas that consider maybe if they should use an enzyme in their brew. and you know, I definitely think it, def- it it has some some good benefits. So, you know, for example, you know, one of the enzymes we have in our product, cellulase, is typically manufactured or can use in a trichoderma species. And in the fungal and bacterial enzymes, including you know cellulases or whatever, break down some of that tissue, like that's plant matter in a simple word, turning them into a, a fermentable right. sugar, you know, beta glucose, which in turn acts as a food source for the fungi and bacteria. So it's really happening in this cycle of microbes and enzymes is basically those enzymes are being broken, they're breaking down the plant matter, turning them into the sugar, and then that is the food source for the fungi and bacteria. And you've always heard, you know, you're not feeding your plant, you're feeding your medium. 
right? You're feeding what's going on inside right. the root zone that is essentially going to be converting these things and then in turn get it up to the plant. So, um, you know, it's just a, it's just a really cool cycle that eventually um, you just want to have a food, a food source for your bacteria and fungi, which, you know, basically brings up to the age old question that we can kind of go forward is, is are these really compatible in hydroponics? You know? Yeah, I, I wonder that. I mean, I always tell people, you know, my philosophy in true hydroponics was to keep it, to keep that reservoir clean. You know, I was more of a, you know, a sterile guy than, than, than a microbe guy. But yeah, let everybody know. What's your opinion? Or what do you know? Hell about opinion. What do you know? Yeah, well, when you refer to the sterile environment, do you mean like using a hydrogen peroxide solution to try to keep it? Yes. You know, I mean, hospitals spend so much time, energy, effort, trying to create this extremely sterile environment for a surgery when as soon as a human doctor, uh, you know, a surgeon, uh, he or she breathes in the air and there, there are so many spores of different, uh, you know, funguses and bacteria that are floating in the air. It's almost impossible to create this extremely sterile environment. And with that being said, because that sterile environment cannot truly be created, it's almost like stop trying to fight nature and just work with it. Exactly. I, I used to do that, and then I just went to where, hey, you know, what if I just load it up with bacteria, but it's just mm-hmm. beneficial bacteria instead? Well, you know, obviously the... the Beneficial bacteria digestion is the process of the bacteria, the bacillus, the other bacterial spores that are in recharge, for example, consuming the organic mm-hmm. matter. So what the enzymes are acting is to break the organic matter into like a water-soluble nutrient, which the bacteria can then digest. So, I mean, without getting in crazy, using, you know, really complex chemical reactions, this organic waste is metabolized right. by the water into carbon dioxide and sugar. That's the final waste product. provides the bacteria with the energy for growth and reproduction. So, essentially what's happening is these enzymes are speeding up the population growth of the recharge in the media, right, by breaking these things down much, much faster. So, thus, the combination of bacteria, fungi, and enzymes create this, like we talk about, a synergistic relationship that uh, each kind of complements the other. And I think in the past, these products have come in two forms, the bacteria formulation, which is enzyme-producing bacteria, and then enzyme-only formulation. So... In understanding the microbiology of enzymes and microbes, all bacteria produce their own specific enzymes to aid in the digestion of food that Mother Nature created them to eat. So by using a bacteria only or an enzyme producing bacteria, we're counting on the microbes to produce their own enzymes to do the job that they were bought to do. But unfortunately, since the majority of products aren't stabilized, we're asking these ineffective strains to perform a task they just really can't handle. Right? So like really Got your it. use of recharge vital to the overall benefits of utilizing enzymes. And let's say someone's not using recharge. Okay, what, what's it going to be benefit of using the enzyme-only product? Well, you're simply not finishing the job. Enzymes only, per, you know, how do I say it? The enzyme-only products simply convert food sources into simpler forms without really digesting them completely. Sure. You know, they only pass the problem down the line to cause maybe even bigger problems later on, and that's where I think people get root rot and other issues when they try to keep it sterile. But, no, I'm going to use this enzyme and keep it clean. So by combining recharge, which has the proper bacteria strains with the appropriate enzymes, I'm just going to use mine biocosan as an example. These formulas have like really an immediate immediate action. Their immediate digestion enables really the the bacteria strains to adhere to food sources, where they'll continue to eat until the food source is gone. You know, so it's a really really interesting cycle, and um, 
you know, I, I think that's one of the main reasons why using your recharge and then throwing in an enzyme just really made it pop. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely seeing it. Yeah, I, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. What, 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 what the problem is is it's just such an extremely complex subject, microbe science. It's usually oversimplified with uh, the beneficial bacteria and fungi products in the hydroponic industry. You know, and uh, that's okay. I think I think they do that because they know people like me are the ones on the other end. You know. <laughs> no, but I'm I'm saying they're doing. I guess my whole point with that is is they're doing a good job to at least bring this science to the consumer. And if you know, a lot of your listeners, you know, have a, a you know an, an opportunity to learn and for you know to really understand how the microbes and enzymes work together, they're really going to be you know no matter what different kind of soil the media that they're using just pretty much increasing the bioavailability of nutrients, you know, naturally occurring availability of nutrients instead of just throwing a bunch of salt in your plant. It's really cool. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, man. So then we've got the biocozyme. It's basically an enzyme. Basically, it's going to be a food source or the microbes will be a food source for the enzymes. One of the two, right? Right, and I think one of your uh, listeners talked about enzymes uh, on a question maybe I saw posted on the account about, you know, being globular protein, so we're pretty much just sending uh, sending down in the root zone really expensive protein sources that are too large for the root molecule to even absorb. My boy JD, yeah, he's always keeping me on my toes. That uh, okay, guy. yeah. So uh, that question was a good question because obviously, yes, they, they are too large to be a, you know to, to be taken up by the plants in the root mass, but that's not their job. Their job is to have the recharge bacteria and all the fungal spores basically consume them once they break down and do their job in the root in the rhizosphere, right, the area in which everything's happening, sure. in the root zone. And so within the rhizosphere, they're doing their job, and then your microbes are coming in and really converting those into usable food sources and feeding the plant that way. So, you know, if you're only using enzymes by themselves, there will be a benefit, but I would definitely say that, you know, someone using a product that's as effective and, and uh, simple to use as recharge is going to definitely get much more benefit out of it. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you, man. Well, hell yeah. Well, I appreciate you hooking me up with the biocozyme. Bio We've actually, uh, I think we just got our new shipment in, and I think three-quarters of it's gone already. I really? sell more biocozyme than any other product. Yeah, go, people, I don't know, probably sell, I don't know, I sell plenty of it, that's for sure. No, I guess pretty much it's really important that your, your listeners do kind of understand that they've probably seen that root disease prevention and microbe science and all and it is really subject that's worth putting some time into. You know, us talking about it right now is really good. It's hard to, uh, to speak to people, but I get calls. Oh, dude, I got this pythium and, you know, I got all this, you know, fungi and blah, blah, blah. And, and it, it's just, uh, you know, it's really hard for me to hear that, you know, they could really have avoided this very simply by using some beneficial microbes in general. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. I actually have some friends out in L.A., and they just couldn't seem to get it right. You know, they were just always, it was. I think they were blaming root aphids forever. Maybe it was, you know, residual problems from that. But, I mean, they would kill these things, but they still couldn't get it right. And uh, the guy just, I said, man, why don't you start using enzyme? You know, he's, he's buying the biocozyme by the gallon. You know, the big commercial grower. I, and he's using the recharge by the five pounds, man. And, I mean, all of a sudden, he's like, man, it's amazing. You know, he's, he's just completely a different grower now. And he's not having the same problems. He says, maybe I got a couple root aphids coming here and there. Maybe. Uh, you know, I'll find one every now and again. But for the most part, everything's just balanced and everything's working. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with, too, 
some environmental issues, right? Root zone temperature in general. We always talk about it, to have a healthy plant, you got to have a good pot, you know, good environment for it to grow. And, and uh, ultimately, I think when we're talking about your microbes and we're talking about enzymes, you know, root zone. Well, of course, the root zones health and color and seeing, you know, these these fibrous tissues and seeing how healthy they are with how many furry root tips are everywhere is a good indicator of your root health. Sure. But you know, in extremely cold instances too, for people that are are doing growing in greenhouses or or uh, that have indoor operations that don't have proper air. Uh, air conditioning and airflow, you really get poor and stunted root growth. And, you know, I got to be honest, you're just getting opening the door to the, a lot of different kinds of root diseases. And then you talk about oxygen. So there's, and I won't really speak on this uh, right now, I'll just touch on it, is that obviously roots need oxygen in the root zone and they need oxygen. So sitting in a stagnant or ponding nutrient solution um, is obviously not not very good. And a lack of oxygen also can be caused by decomposing organic material in the, the nutrient solution or trays. Sure. And so obviously you got to get rid of that right away. Um, too many plants competing for too little oxygen. People try to throw so many in a smaller area. Uh, things like that can be overcome, but they're worsened by high root temperatures completely. So, you know, as long as people are using an air pump and an air stone, you, you can never have too much oxygen. So the more and stronger air pumps you use, the better. You know, so... Definitely. I, I, I know some growers use the, the H2O to whatever, you know, there's a few products on the market that uh, that claim to increase the oxygen in the root zone. And while I can say, you know, never having too much oxygen, I'm not sure of the effectiveness or the efficacy of the uh, of those liquid oxygenated products. Yeah, I've never so, been, I don't even know too many people that are using those. Uh, yeah, I have seen, I have mm-hmm. seen those, but no, but a lot of microbial activity is the secret to a healthy soil. Right. Heck yeah, man. All right, I think I got it now, man. I think I'll listen to this about 12, 15 times back again, man, and I'll be able to uh, sound like I know what I'm talking about when I talk enzymes, no? <laughs> well, you know, if you want to talk a little bit more about the recharge, I was thinking a little bit more about it since I had spoke to you last. And, you know, obviously those, you know, the the enzymes in feeding on the exudates of these roots are um, really what's transferring a lot of these nutrients back up into the plant. So when you look at some of the bacillus that it's in recharge, you know, there's specific unavailable forms of phosphates. You know, we turn a lot of phosphorus in our in our plant. Right. So there's some unavailable forms of phosphate. And what the bacillus are doing is they're converting it into a plant-available form. So in natural settings, they can probably provide about 10% of the available, you know, phosphorus in the, the soil solution. And, and when you increase the level of plant-available phosphorus, you know, bacillus strains become less effective. So I think you've talked to me about, like, well, if you're hitting your plants with all this phosphorus, how is that affecting my, my bacillus? Sure. You know, some people say, oh, you know, they're not working as hard. It's killing them. It's an environment they can't handle. Right. But if the bacillus can sustain as a backup, it's going to continue to provide those hungry blooms with the phosphorus if it should be become unavailable or locked out. So, yeah, you could be blasting it in there, but the one thing that's going to save you is having those bacillus strains in your media. And I think even in organic farming, this comes up a lot because the bacterium who, like these organic farmers will incorporate rock phosphate into the growing medium. And I think people sometimes talk about trying to amend their soil that do it in dirt or that are growing outside in large, you know, cocoa containers. Or if you know, they introduce the through fertilizer, teas, preps, whatever, the rock phosphate really is mostly unavailable, breaking down into a plant available form over time. But, you know, by using these bacteriums, they're breaking that stuff down much faster. So anybody that's doing organic, 
you know, they want to do it as much organic as they can if they're doing Soma-style beds or they're using huge smart pots and they're incorporating a lot of organic amendments to it, mm -hmm. just remember that, you know, your plants are getting a lot more of the nutrients in those organic amendments when they'll use your, your recharge or beneficial microbes. Yeah, right? yeah, you can definitely see that. You can definitely understand that's going on because you can actually use a bit less fertilizer. If you want, I'd, I'll dial my fertilizer down probably about to 70% and still getting crazy performance. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the, 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 the other benefits of it is the increased absorption rate that you'll get once you're kind of combining the enzymes with the microbes. And I think that, you know, all too often people just want to see how many PPMs are on their pen thinking how hot their mix is and how much they can feed their plants and how much they can hold it. But, you know, the truth isn't always in that EC, you know. It's not, man, because I started burning. I was at 9 to, you know, 900 to 1,000, and I started getting the serrated tips and whatnot, that perfect burn, so I backed off. I'll keep it at 800, 850 with, you know, of course, I'm in a passive deep water culture system, so kind of makes mm -hmm. makes a difference. But absolutely, man, I'm getting crazy performance and loving it. So, Jacob, you, you keep on formulating over there, man. All right, well, you know what? I will, and, uh, you know, meanwhile, if anything else uh, comes up on my end, I, I think it's worth the listener's time. You know, we can get a... Get another knowledge drop here pretty quick. There's a couple things I've been looking into doing some research and, and finding some uh, peer-reviewed articles that I'm going to mull through and hopefully bring to your listeners' attention. I know we've been talking a little bit about silica, so I'd really like to discuss next time maybe a little bit the breaking down of silica and the different kinds of silica and the uh, you know percentages and, and the amounts plants can truly take up. And you know, I just don't you know. One thing I, I like about your listeners from what I've heard for some emails is, you know, they just feel like they're wasting their money. And I'm hoping that in a certain instance, we can help them understand the fertilizers and nutrients they're using, especially one that's a non-essential plant element like silicone and try to get the most bang for their buck and, and, and go that route. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of talk about silica. You know, when I'm saying monosilic acid, you know that there's been a lot of talk about silica, man. So we got to figure all that out. And then your Mendocino avalanche, man, I don't know what's in that, but people are digging that stuff, man. Everybody's using that pretty much from week three on. Week three to week seven is what I'm hearing and really getting the hard nugs. So you got to come on and just tell us all about that. Tell us the right way to use all that stuff. You don't got to give no secrets out, I promise. No, no, you know, honestly, too, that's another, that's funny you say that some people are using it week three out because, you know, initially it was designed to be used as a late stage flower hardener. And, you know, it's the only registered flower hardener in the country that can make that claim on the label. You know, claims on labels are very, you have to be very precarious when you make any kind of claim on a label because it has to be backed up. And, uh, you know, CDFA, California Department of Food and Ag, who, because we uh, you know, manufacture in California, have very strict rules, regulations, and laws that we need to abide by within that. So, you know, we went back and forth quite a while to get the flower hardener claim on the label, and we were constantly met with resistance. But in the end, you know, science and overall research proved proved it to be. So, you know, that's that's a, that's a good, uh it's a good product, but you talking about people starting in the beginning of the cycle is, is something interesting that we're starting to do some testing on right now and getting overall very positive results. So I'd love to uh, hear your experience with it and people that have been using it early on and, and then talk a little bit more more about it in, uh, in general. You got it, man. You got it. What do you say? Same time next week, brother? Yeah, why not, man? I'll be in. On, uh, I'll be in so. Sounds great, my friend. Well, thanks for taking the time, Jacob. I know the listeners appreciate it, and I absolutely appreciate it, man. Appreciate you dropping some science, my brother. No, no problem. We've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? If there's a part of our story you don't understand, why don't you play some of the songs over again? 
They're learning how to fly. 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 Yeah. Fly. Fly. for some more grow talk here on the dude grow show we got what's going on on our grows on our grows shit in our grows yeah man what you got going on dude listen we're always talking about me first okay let's talk about you man oh what i got going on in my grow like i said earlier uh of my three lights i have shut two off gonna let one chill out in there and uh basically that is my indoor protection let's say a uh Tornado rips through the outside. At least I have one plant oh, and my house, hopefully, still oh, in, yeah. the, in the indoor garden that will you know, carry me through. But outdoors is more what I'm excited about this time of year. Got four or five different strains out there that are kicking. And what I get a lot of from people is how do you maintain that, you know, because typically different strains need different nutrient requirements, different finishing times. And I'm not going to lie, sometimes it is a little bit harder and you can, you know, start flushing one where the other one still needs newts and you got to mix up different batches. But I can tell people the easiest way to deal with it is growing, you know, naturally organically. So the plant is going to work together with the soil and it's going to get what it needs when it needs more than when you're feeding, you know, with chemicals or salt-based nutrients. Um, you know, when you're always hitting that specific PPM, I'm never hitting a PPM. You know, we can't even measure that here when I'm putting in organic base nutrients. Sure, sure. So, and like you've discussed before, I really find that having the buffer of the living soil of the microbes in there, you know, communicating, I, I'm, I'm very unscientific about this, but they're, in my mind, they're talking with the plant roots. You know, they're sending signals to each other. Some of this shit we don't even understand yet. But I, I'm picturing the plant sending a signal on the one that's hungry for more phosphorus. Give me some more phosphorus, microbes. Like, hook it up. Yeah, um, that's exactly right, man. I mean, that's scientific, man. They, they got shit to prove it, man. And then that way, I mean, I still get burnt a little bit where I start flushing one strain too early. And it's like, but all these out here in Colorado, all of them are ranging right at about 60 day or less. I definitely try not to go over 60. We really push into cold spells and undesirable weather for outdoor cultivation. But I wanted to tell people, man, top dressing with some 
some guanos, using more of the organics outdoors, and making your soil blow up with microbial life is the way to handle a variety of strains easier. I mean, I'm watering plain pH just to the water uh, a bit of times just because I've already put it on my guano topping or I've already watered in recharge to charge the soil up. Or, you know, I know that uh, I use the Happy Frog Soil Conditioner, which is like a fine mulch that helps keep moisture in, but also has all kinds of good shit in it with some guanos, etc. So, yeah, that's what's definitely. going on in my, my outdoor grow. Um, and, you know, other than that, I do, I'm not going to lie, I have one more LSD hanging out. It's like, I don't want to call it an extra plant because usually there's not an extra plant for me. Um, and it's just too pretty to get rid of. You know, rarely do I look at a plant and say, all right, I just I have to kill you. I have no time or room for you. So I might turn on one more light on the endo. But, uh, man, your AC just runs and runs and runs and runs in the summer, at least, you know, for me. And that That's, gets expensive. It totally does, man. It is a bummer to see that thing just never shut off during the summer, ain't it? Yeah, and we all know out here in Colorado, if, if we want to discuss the, uh, like how High Times has, like, the quarterly market report, um, there's a lot more outdoor growing going on, greenhouse growing, <laughs> greenhouse growing, growing on, um, and prices are coming down, you know, and that's a good thing overall, but it does hurt the indoor gardener with uh, more overhead, so got to be efficient with the cooling. Yeah, it's amazing how cheap production's going to get, or I shouldn't say production's going to get, it's amazing how cheap that you're going to be able to buy wholesale pounds for. If you're a legal grower, completely legal, and you can just go you know, shop these warehouses, Man, I mean, I've heard of pound prices that are insane. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I'm going to change the pace. What's going on in Scotty Reels Grow? You know, man, circulation, man. I'd be working on the circulation system. I guess to start off with, I harvested that cool purple grow or the purple flow mm-hmm. and and uh, just a really beautiful plant, uh, mildew resistant, you know, bug resistant. Super cool, but man, does it exemplify the difference between a connoisseur strain and a commercial strain? Because man, you, I maybe yield maybe four ounces off this thing. The island sweet skunk that's like towering over it, like invaded like its light space and everything like that. That one I'll probably get a pound and a half off of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the difference in what you can do with one plant is insane, but this. Flowers are really beautiful looking. I heard the, I, I know for a fact that, uh, uh, it gets you super high, man. You know, it's <laughs> super high, man. Yeah, man. That's a sound cut right there, dude. You're like straight out of the fucking Big Lebowski or, uh, oh. <laughs> no, but it really does. You know, it's a, it's a great high. It's a, you know, it's a, it just really tastes great and just a great one to grow. I'd like to see it grown outdoors. I think this one really lends Dude, itself. I got a flow outdoors right now. I don't know if it's the same, you know, I shouldn't say strain, but uh, phenotype yeah. or whatever you got. Right. But I did get purpling in it. Uh, last year I did one outside as well. More than the purpling was the monstrous flowers. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe it's this has obviously got to be, I think, a different phenotype. So. Sure. Sure. You know what, what else I'm doing, man, is I'm trying to move as much air as possible. I mean, I've got an air conditioner in my center room, but I've got, you know, I'm on a four-light flip, so I've got uh, uh, two side rooms that don't have air conditioning in them. So I'm trying to pull the conditioned air from that center room and just really circulate it. So I uh, had Todd from Temperature Needs come over, and we built some, uh, basically like some square duct working Mm -hmm. that pulls from the bottom where, you know, heat rises. So it pulls from the bottom where the cool air is. And uh, circulates it. I had reconditioned or, or repurposed some old can fans that I had, big 12-inch can fans. 
So they're pulling from the bottom. and, uh, and So they're just, on a temp stat? It's like certain temperature turns no, them on? they're just running 24-7 because I'm really into circulation. So I'm using that to really circulate the air in the rooms. And then I've got, I went out and got some of the, the couple of, the, what are those green uh, active air, yeah, from, active air. I, from Hydro Farms? And I figured I could save some money. I'll, I'll do a little test and see if, uh, I think they're about $30, $40 cheaper than the equivalent can fan. And I know they're lesser quality, but I think just for, I know when you put a load on those active airs, um, they tend to not handle that as well and get hot. But just for just running, you know, something, you know, running wide open. I think they should be fine. So, Dude, that's fine. what I always told people when I was a salesman for indoor garden equipment. If you're not having resistant, you're not pulling through carbon, you're not pushing or pulling through lighting, you're simply uh, moving air, sure. you, don't, you know, sure, you don't go have to get the fancy-ass fan. I shouldn't right. say fancy, the durable fan that's going to hold that load properly. So, yeah, I think that's spot on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm interested. Man, camp fans, if you're out there, man, and you guys want to do a head-to-head, let me know, man. I'm up there. <laughs> Have you now? Have they? Has this been running long enough for you to see like the difference? Everything's your temperature's more uniformly staying where it needs to be. Uh, you know, it has not. You know, it's just we we just did it yesterday, and I've got to you know run one more piece of duct work, and then I could really start taking some 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 readings there. Cool. Well, I'd like to hear them because you're always doing a little tweaking. Which you know what? If you're not always doing a little tweaking, something's gonna get off. So I like to environment hear it. is everything, man. You know what I mean. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's get ready to put this one in the bag, Scotty. Uh, wanted to, of course, remind everybody out there, come and see us, dude. June 15th, Central Way to Grow. If you want to see their locations, just go over to waytogrow.net. We want to hang because we're offering out, I think Scotty said, 20, 20 goodie bags. Making the goodie bags, man. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Absolutely. We had a good time doing it at uh, at the Cannabis Cup. That was fun, man. We met a lot of cool people that day. I'm hoping that more people come on out, man. Let's have a great time, man. Yeah. Let's go I mean, sale. Yeah, there'll be a bunch of, you know, inexpensive equipment marked down, I should say, at their clearance garage sale event, as well as recharge. Uh, the smallest size, which is an 8-ounce, is 27 retail. And then just tell them you want to get it under Dude Grow's account, and that will take a bit off the 27 as well. And on top of that, show us that you picked it up. You get a goodie bag, and I, I mean, a goodie bag is almost cheesy, but with the goodies in it, it's going to be a goodie bag. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take that kind of cheese any day, homeboy. Hell yeah. June 15th, peeps, Sunday. Come and hang. We'll be jamming some music, hanging in the official Get High Travel trailer if you didn't see us at the cup blowing smoke out of it. And, uh, yeah, I want to just BS with all you uh, Denver, Colorado growers. Absolutely, man. Come on down. Let's do it. Word, dude. Well, let's uh, put this one in the bag then, Scotty. Don't really have any announcements other than, guys, we're always working hard for you. We're going to keep the show coming. You're going to keep hearing more of it for sure. And yep, uh, Much love. Thank you so much for all the all the support with Recharge, man. That stuff's really starting to fly off the shelves at Way to Grow, and uh, we're getting orders all the time, man, so really appreciate it. Yeah, I agree, because once you use some, you want more. That's the best part of this. No big deal. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, at the 420 Grow Lab on realgrowers.com, just got a whole shipment in of Biocozyme quartz and gallons, as well as Mendocino Avalanche quartz and gallons. And people have been really talking up the Mendo Avalanche, and the Biocozyme is just an awesome enzyme, and I'm using two ounces for 55-gallon drums. So. Are you still doing the deal? If you go to Real Growers to the store, if they put in Dude, give them 25% off of it, or what? 25% off the recharge, definitely. Okay. Yep. Didn't know if you were throwing Biocozyme in there, too, or not. Hey, hey, I think it's like 
I don't know. It's cheap as hell over there, anyhow. Man. <laughs> Got to compete I mean, with everybody over there. Gonna yeah, put it cheap as hell over right. there. All man. I'll say is, yeah, compare it to Canazyme, Hygrozyme, and those prices, and you are a winner. All right, cool. Let's put it in the bag, Scotty. Thanks for listening, y'all. DudeGrows.com, Dude Grows Show, episode thirty-one in the bag. Come on. There's a ton of chemical reactions going on with a plant, and enzymes are used in all of those reactions. listening to the dude grow show coming straight out of denver colorado bringing you marijuana grow knowledge news and culture at the tone the time will be 4 20 exactly hey 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 you guys must be holding back you guys must be holding back you guys must be holding back all you holding back all your boom Half the grow stores, stores dedicated to bloom boosters, bloom boosters, bloom boosters. But all we, but all we, but all we get from you guys, get from you guys, but all get from you guys, 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 change your quano, change your quano, quano, quano. What? 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 No butt back to X? No butt back to X? No butt back to X? Huh? 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 Yeah, 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 yeah,